And all the universal greetings It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again Episode 229 on Sunday The 1st of May May Day Bar week, grana, weep, ninny bomb 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 (laughs) (laughs) That's how you start a show Oh my gosh, right uh, I'm Armist Phil I'm Armist Ben I've got his fader turned down. <laughs> I'm Amish Matt. Can we not dub him? The cripple and the mother of madness. We did, yes. And uh, we joined in the studio yet again by our great friend Ryan Seven. How are you, Ryan? I'm really good. How are you? It's good. good. Good to see you again. It's been a few weeks, hasn't it? Oh, mm. for a change, yeah. Life's been getting in the way, hasn't it? I think this is our third attempt at this tarot expedition, isn't it? And uh, stuff keeps getting in the way, so good to finally see you again and... Get together. Yeah, and dive into this subject, very popular subject in our circle of, you know, podcasts and uh, occult research and whatnot. Seems that tarot is incredibly important, a key, if you like. Mm. It comes up often, doesn't it? It's seldom mentioned as a topic overall, but it's often mentioned in lots of other topics. I think I first heard of it uh, in this esoteric arena uh, with Terence McKenna. Really? That's yeah. an unusual place. Well, he, he was into alchemy, wasn't he? So, I mean, the actual first place I'd heard of it was, you know, generally as everybody else does. The first time I came across it was a girlfriend went for a tarot reading and had, uh, it turned out she had Alistair Crowley's deck as well at home. Not his personal deck, but the one that he designed, which I actually have in my pocket. Oh, right. I've brought it with me, just in case that you guys might want a tarot reading at the end for fun. Okay. <laughs> now, when it comes to the tarot, um, I'm guessing most sort of standard history books or Wikipedia or internet searches will tell you that it goes back to, like, the Romany gypsies in the, I don't know how far back, maybe 15th, 16th century or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems to me that that may be the first, you know, the earliest sort of, uh, firm written evidence people have of something called the tarot, but I mean, it, you know, as far as I can tell, the stuff that it's sort of transmitting um, illustrates that it goes back a lot further than that. Yeah, certainly the ideas and the concepts. Uh, you're totally right. It first pops up in the early 1400s. It seems to me like the re- one of the reasons why it popped up was that, you, you know, in the late 1300s, you had the Black Death. And everybody died, yeah. basically. And and as often happens with this disinformation, um, you can actually trace this stuff back to, um, you know, 
post the flood. That's when he, he, the stories around this, the information that's contained in the tarot pops up post flood. The first time we see it, the first time we see any writing at all, really. And it, it seems to be like a a container, a book to restart civilization. So the, these this body of information, which is your ancient handbag, guys, it's the same stuff in the handbag. The um, man bag. The man bag. You know, the, it, it gets carried along. Uh, and a lot of it's maths, a lot of it's philosophy. There's, there's lots of things in there, weights and measures and ratios of things and music. And uh, there's bits of medicine and, and, and religion. And it's all put into this package. So that if anything does go horribly, horribly wrong, we've got this thing. So when does it pop up again? Well, it pops up just after the Black Death. It pops up in Venice, and it's, it's these royal families because a lot of it's to do with um, statecraft and things like that because it's it's like um, a lot of it's teaching you actual actual magic, um, including the stage magic stuff, which is misdirection and worse people's consciousness and propaganda. Beat me to it, yeah. So essentially... Tarot is just another version of these holy royal secret arts. We've had many faces over, over the years. You'll find it in astrology. Astrology's got a big part of, of tarot. You'll find it in Kabbalah. You'll find it in the Bible. You'll find it in the Torah. You'll find it in the works of Buddha. You know, you find it in your fairy tales. You find it everywhere. You're just going to dig in to really find out what it is. And it is that list of things. In fact... I remember uh, a list of the first teachers of this stuff from Sumeria. You get a list of kings called the Sumerians Kings List, and next to it is a list of uh, the numbers especially associated with this stuff, these special harmonic numbers. And next to each of these kings with uh, an age like 432 years old and 1080 years old, you'll see um, a sage. One of the most famous one of these sages is Oanis who um, I forgot what he's especially associated with, but each of these sages has something like, you know, knows the heavens, uh, was born in a house, i.e. he's an architect, you know, he's civilised, uh, knows the tools of the farm, he's, he's you know, he's got the knowledge of agriculture, and each of these seven sages um, teaches one of these aspects, and it, it, it's a collection. And, and the reason why these guys came around <laughs> is because the flood had happened. And then they need, we need these guys to help us rebuild everything. So tarot is just another iteration of this stuff. When you um, said this, the, the flood, do you mean like the Epic of Gilgamesh flood then, if we're talking Sumeria? Well, it looks like, yeah, the actual end of the Ice Age flood, the actual, you know, something's happened at some point. It does go into myth, and it does totally fit a, a theology, so it is symbolic as well. But it is real. Like many mythological kings were real kings at some point, and then they had archetypes placed onto them. Um, However, the actual story of the tarot cards themselves isn't anything particularly wonderful or splendid. or or, uh, It literally just comes from real playing cards. uh, Back in uh, the late 1300s, you got to imagine that northern... Picture the Mediterranean. You kind of get it. There's a cut in, and then you get Africa at the bottom and Northern Europe over the top. That lower part, including some parts of Spain, were essentially Arab. They were Muslim mm-hmm. areas. And then going up from that, you, you were Catholics and Christians. 
So there was this not very happy divide, but there was there was a happy um, cross cultural fertilization that went on, and because around the same time paper had been invented in China and they were using it for money, this invention had quickly caught on, got to the Arab world, and they were making playing cards. And it was in Egypt, Egypt, where these playing cards were turned into what's called mamluk cards. The, the, the guys that were really in Egypt at the time were called Mamluk. Mamluk. Yeah. Arabs, yeah. Yeah. So they invented a deck of 52 cards, which is the modern card playing deck. Uh, fast forward a little, that caught on very quickly. And it had, it was the deck, you know, essentially. The, the suits were a little different. They were uh, polo sticks, for playing polo with. Uh, swords, cups, and coins. The only thing that's changed there is the polo sticks and now clubs or wands or whatever. Mm. Uh, everyone says it's just, it, it was, they were just playing cards and you look at them and they're very ornate and beautiful. But as, as a person that knows esoterica, you, you just one look at them and you're like, you know, this, there's already something going on here. The fact that there were 52 cards in the deck and there's 52 weeks in a year, was one of the first things that was like, hmm, so there's something here. Fast forward a little, uh, the, those cards are picked up by the Italians in Venice. Uh, well, it's picked up by the whole world. And one of the games that, the, that people are playing, one of the simpler games that people are playing, is essentially top trumps, but with normal cards. And what it is is like you put a certain card down, uh, you know, two of hearts, you need to put on another heart over the top. I've not got one. You've got to put another card down. Sounds like shithead. I was going to yeah, say yeah. which one is <laughs> like shithead. Yeah, like <laughs> shithead. But you've got trumps in there as well. So, you know, a king will beat a 10 and you know what I mean? Or Yeah. yeah. Can you beat a queen? Yeah, that kind of thing. You can beat a queen if you want to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cromwell might have done. Um, so, what happened... According to the the actual traditional view of these, or the, not the traditional view, but the modern view of this, to the academics, is is that uh, basically this Italian family took it on. We're like, yeah, we need more trumps, so let's put a deck of twenty one extra cards together, chuck them in the normal playing cards, and we've got this trump cards. You know, like the fools at the bottom, and then the the magicians the next one up, and then you get pulp a bit further up than that, and then you got some other higher forms up from that. And it, it, this would all seem quite plausible. But then when you look at things, when first of all, as you said, the, the symbols themselves just are so important and layered with mystery and mysticism and philosophy and ideas that it's, it's, they were specifically chosen for a reason. And you can think of these things like flashcards for these ancient mysteries. And then when you look at the family that first developed, uh, although not necessarily we know for sure first developed the tarot cards themselves, but the, the place where they first appear is between the Visconti and the Sforza families in Venice in you know the time of the Medicis and the Renaissance. Um, and they are a wedding gift. And they're beautiful. They've got gold um, yeah. leaf on them. They're very, like, they're, they're really well painted, every single one of them. And there's 78 of them. I think they've got a couple of missing of that deck, but, you know, there's, there's, there should be 78 in the whole 
the whole arrangement. What's that? That's what's is that fifty two plus the is it the major? Yeah, I think we should talk about that maybe a little bit later because yeah, right. it's seventy uh, two. Well, we get seventy eight, but yeah, we get into all that stuff. There's lots of. Well, go on, I might as well talk. Let's I'm do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it for you. Okay, so there's seventy eight cards in in the deck. Twenty one of those are called the major arcana, and yep. the ones that everyone's familiar with: death, uh, the star, the fool, the magician, all these ones. Uh, twenty one plus a fool. So it's not 22, it's 21 and a fool. The fool's very much like the wild card. He survives today in the Joker. The Joker card in the actual yes. deck of cards. Yep. So uh, we've already said that you get 52 cards in a normal playing deck. And the tarot is essentially, apart from that, those 22 and a fool, is the normal playing card deck slightly expanded. So we have... Uh, the four suits, as you do, which are the four seasons. Yes. Uh, then we have um, an extra of the court cards. So, you know, you get your, your Jack, Queen, King. Well, actually, in this, we have the equivalent of, like, Jack, Queen, King, and Princess. Uh, often in time, the, the names are changed, but it's literally King, Queen, Knight, and um, Surf, or Knave, or whatever it'll be, or princess will also do you can have prince and princess king and queen and what they actually are is just as the four seasons are encoded and north east south and west are encoded those are the four elements mm. um and you get 10 of each and now we're getting to kabbalah there are 10 there are 10 spheres on the tree of life in kabbalah the sphere the sephirot or spheres are a series of emanations uh, um, the the order of reality kind of uh, contracting on itself until it becomes real, <laughs> like things folding back in on themselves. And this is is absolutely depicted in the tarot. Um, you also have sixteen court cards. We said you get the king, the queen, the, the prince, princess. There are sixteen of those all, all together because we have an extra um, suit. So, now, if we play with all these things, we can quickly get the, the, how many days are in a year and, and weeks in the year and, and all these things. So, uh, the, the 21 cards of the actual Major Arcana are three tiers of seven. When you look, There are actually several divisions in there, and the basis of, of the tarot is actually Pythagore, Pythagorean uh, number philosophy. You know, one has a meaning, two has a meaning. We may be getting to this later. But um, it's the, those 21 cards are three sets of seven, and they go up an octave every time. You're kind of transforming the octave as seven you go Seven notes up. in an octave. Yeah, and 22 over seven, if because that ju the fills the wild card. So yeah, the fill is like the zero card, isn't it? The zero it? card, yeah. yeah. There's a secret. There's further secrets to that, <laughs> but we'll, we'll go into it. Um, so... That 22 over 7 is how the ancients wrote pi. That's how they, how they, how they did it. <laughs> so um, you've got these. So you got that. Let's put those to one side for a second. We've got this fool card that, that's going to come into play because it's a bit of a wild card. So we have 40 numbered cards, like you've, you know, your ace. Your so ace cards. means it's just substitute for one, is it? Yes. Yeah, ace, two, three, four, yeah. like that. And be, because of the philosophy that we're dealing with, one isn't really a number. 
Two's, two's kind of getting towards being a number, but one is every number, and is this other concept. So we'll see in a second. It gets slightly dismissed. So we've got these 40 cards. There's, there's 10 of each suit. Fire, water, air, and earth, also known as wands, cups, swords, and discs. Um, I'll go over the meaning of those later, but what happens is that uh, we kind of get rid of those because those are the four seasons, the four quarters of the year. And then suddenly we've got 36 cards for like 360 degrees in the year. But also uh, we take those four cards and add the fill. We've got 365 days for the year. Do you get me? Why, why are you taking four away? So we've... T- so because you had those, 40, you got your 40 number got cards. got 40, yeah. Why are we taking four because away? Because those are the four cardinal directions. So we're taking away the four cardinal directions and we lay right. the rest around those. Oh, fuck. Right. So because you're right. If, if you remember, this is a good place to put it, but if you remember on the previous episodes, we actually said, well, what is tau row? Well, it's a, a tau and a row. A tau is a T cross and a row is like a P. So yeah. when you get the XP symbols or the TP symbols or the ankh or whatever, these are all tau rows. And this essentially means a wheel and a cross. And the wheel and the cross was an old-fashioned clock. It's, it's you see it in the, the the zodiac. That's a wheel and a cross. It's the wheel of the year, and the cross is the, the equinoxes and the solstices. Yeah. So this is the Tauro, the T and the R, and in fact the word Tauro adds up to fifty forty. Uh, T and P, as as it would have been in Greek, it adds up to thirty six. What is in, in Gematria. Gematria? Yes, in Gematria. There's an alphanumeric cipher. It's where A is equal to 1, B is equal to 2, down the alphabet. But you've got to be careful what language you're doing it in, because although English and Greek are very related, they've got extra letters and, mm. and things yeah. like that, as has been driving me mad all week looking at those pillars. and Some of, <laughs> some of them are W's and some of them are double V's, and it says 1360 on one place <laughs> and 1666 in another, and it's driving me mad. Anyway... Um, so what else can you derive from that? Lots of the air. Yeah, so we've done the 52 is here, 365. You get all these numbers, basically, that, that are calendrical things, which will give you a clue as to what is actually going on with those major arcana. I think it's worth, before we get to there, though, uh, speaking about um, these less interesting cards that actually turn out to be a bit more interesting. So we get the court cards, uh, of um, the king, the queen, the prince and the princess. And those go over the four suits. The ones, the cups, the swords and the discs or coins. And what that really is, is um, the king is fire, the wand is fire. The, the, there are four elements in, in the classical world. Um, each one of them is representative of a number and that number is representative of a force and a feeling in the universe. So fire is energy and is the is the the stick or the so it's like a blunt force. Or it's like you can set the stick on fire. Or it's like a penis, it's masculine. So there's lots of um there's lots of things that are very much like this archetypal fire. But like the Dao, you can never label it. It's always this ethereal thing that you'll never quite put your finger on. Mm. Water is cups. Uh, you might call it mind, emotion. Uh, it's 
the fact that things can be contained and it's a matrix to contain energy is the best way to put it. Yeah, you can't put fire in a cup. You, you can, can put or air, but you can put water in a cup. Uh, you, can, you can put fire in a cup. A battery would be fire in a cup. Oh, right, mm. okay. Why didn't yeah. you do that then? Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, have you never had a flame in Sambuca? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> My ex had gonorrhea. <laughs> oh, God. What a great place to end. <laughs> <laughs> That's fire in a cup, isn't it? Uh, anyway. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. I don't have an ex. Um, so... Yeah, so Carl Jung cottoned on to this and realised that those are actually states of mind, states of being. Fire is your energy in your life. The, the cup is, the, is your state of mind. The air is how good your intellect's working. A sword cuts things up like your intellect cuts things up. Your intellect goes, hang on, that's like that, and it's like that. Okay, puts them all together. Uh, the disc or the coin. A coin is like... Um, energy put into a place isn't it and concentrate it's like a token it's it's saying that i've done so much work oh, we were talking about yeah, this, this late last week, week yeah. how money is basically a representative of human energy it's transfer isn't it? energy transfer yeah. this is i've put eight hours into a day and this is yeah. what it, it is brought to me mm-hmm. and i'm going to exchange this for this thing that you've made with your energy it's yeah it's qualitative and quantitative quantitative because, you know, if you're just sweeping the road, that's worth, you know, that energy is worth so much. But if you're a brain surgeon, you know, that energy is worth a different amount. So a coin. And if you're a politician, I mean, well, you, you get it's worth a fortune. this work, don't you? Oh, that may, oh yeah, sorry. If you're, if you're an energy vampire, yeah. like energy a politician. Vampire. Oh, God, it made me sick. Anyway, <laughs> this is a haven away from all that stuff. Um, so... Where were we? Something about Carl. Oh, yeah, Carl, no, we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking about Carl Jung. Carl Jung had noticed that um, these are psychological states, and when he mapped it all out, um, from that work is how we've gotten the Myers-Briggs psychology, psychology test, which is one of the most profuse psychology mm. tests out there. Is that the big five one? Uh, I, don't, I don't know which one. It... Matt, S- specialist required. My, Myers-Briggs. No. That's a different one. Oh. The ocean is the big five, isn't it? Right. Okay. Never heard of the big five. Big five personality traits. Yeah, that's the one that they eventually narrowed it down to. So it's like openness, conscientiousness. Oh, right, yeah, sorry, yeah. I didn't know they called agreeableness it the big five. Agreeableness and yeah. eroticism. Okay. So Myers-Briggs. Yeah, so the Myers-Briggs. Uh, so there are lots of... Um, Lots of very clever people noticing that there are there are things tucked in here that are much more than than it would seem, and I think those early Mamluk cards were noticed by these Renaissance guys in Italy, who were actually uh, the wise men of the old world. You know, Constantinople was recently falling, and the the old world of Greece and Palestine, and all you know, the world of the Crusaders was finally on its way out. We're at the end of the Middle Ages now, and the Black Death had seen a lot of things off as well. So you have this kind of a panic, uh, a realization that you know you're at the end of an epoch, and things need rebuilding, and you've got a lot of priests that are now in want of something else. Well, 
the world's turning into a place of merchants, so they need um, administrators and and you know other smart people that can read and write because you know it, it, it was exclusive uh, re- literacy was exclusively held by the priesthood in the 14th century mm-hmm. and nobles yeah but and, many and, of them. and merchants but it was it was very rudimentary for merchants. Um, so, I mean, uh, taking that even further, the first, the very first card of the tarot of, of the very first Visconti deck is a scribe sat at a table. That scribe eventually became what's known as a magician. But he, he was sat at a table with a knife, some, some coins, a cup, and these were a representation of uh, all these four elements again. So the... the so, how has it been used now? You know, the, the, this thing's been put together in, in Italy. We can forget, and everyone didn't realise it for a good while, that, that something had been done in Italy. And they're all playing this game with these very suspicious characters. You even hear mentions by the clergy that, uh, you know, they're gambling with these cards on a Sunday, and they even have the gods in them. Now, if you know what the gods are, they're the archetypes. They were never, certainly to the priesthood, they were, they were never these things they were really worshipping. They were aspects of nature that, that they gathered together in icons so that they could understand them and work with them. Um, and so these priests were, were quite aware of it. They let it slip a bit because they were, they were vaguely hidden. Jupiter was called the Pope. And, you know, right. Mercury's so called the, the Magician. The 21 major arcana arcana cards encompass gods from the classical era yes absolutely Shit, it's a brick. Yeah. right yeah what what the those 21 arcana are uh the archetypes carl jung's beloved archetypes the, the first one being the trickster literally literally the magician the trickster the loki monty bank yeah well he would be loki yeah, yeah in norse mm-hmm. yeah fuck you know so They are now used, and were used in an instance. They've always had this uh, connection to the ethereal and the supernatural. These, for you know, the most famously used for reading the future. For right, divination, story. yeah, yeah. That's what I first came across, and that's what I thought they were. Could you actually play shithead with them though? If you yeah, <laughs> yeah. took the major arcana out, yeah, it's just, just a, a deck of cards. Yeah, totally, just a normal deck of cards. And in fact, like the the. They were so influential that the modern cards come from that deck mm. rather than those Mamluk cards. Shared history. Um, so, being used for fortune-telling, they've got this supernatural connection for a reason. As Phil had said... They had connections to the gypsies who had connections to Egypt, who uh, there, there were these early figures in the tarot that were like Etiella, and these are the guys that were uh, uh, relating these cards to these old ancient Egyptian mystery traditions. They were found out to only go back to the 1400s, and that by the academics. The problem with a lot of the academics is... And I, I don't get it because it's overwhelming by now, surely. The the importance of the wave of esotericism in, in the world now 
you know, 1500s when it was Bacon and D and all those guys, you know, taking a step back to, to Venice, you know, that because that is the step before Venice came to fund Henry VIII, mm. you know, the father of, of Elizabeth I, who then you get John D and Bacon and all these other guys. Take a step back, you go to Venice, the guys with the tower. You take a step back to that is Greece. Um, you know, Alexander and all these other occulted figures. Alexander was literally made into a god. Ptolemy. The second tarot deck features Alexander as, as and the, the the stuff of Alexander as a it's very dark. Uh, solar busker deck. It's sodomy and 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 goriness and uh, really uh, subversive. Where's that from? That deck. Uh, Florence, I think. It's these warring families. There's a guy written a book on, on it called The Saturn... A Game of Saturn, it's called. And he's, he, the way he sees it, it it's Alexandrian uh, cult black magic, war magic, like Martian black magic. Gosh. Like proper war tactics and and dark stuff. There's massacred babies on it and all sorts. And it was always such a pretty deck. And you're like, oh, my God, a guy getting bummed by a, a spiky tree. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's weird. A uh, monkey puzzle, probably. <laughs> monkey puzzle tree. Uh, yeah, so, like I said, you can, you can go with this academic stuffy... But... I, it just drives me wild that there's so much on the, you know, even on the Rosicrucians. You just look at the Shakespeare stuff, you know, that's pretty easy to penetrate. A, a folk will show you a few codes in there, and you're like, yeah, well, yes, they are the, well, especially when it's typesetting and things like that, that where they're hiding the codes. You know, that those are engineering mistakes right. that are set up to look like, you know, the, the full stop. Why is the full stop over there? Why, why yeah. is that uppercase and not lowercase? You know, and all these mistakes drawing triangles and suddenly you got the pyramids and you know what I mean? And you got Roger Bacon's name in there and Edward de Vere and John Dee and he's like, well, and Shakespeare's the bloody fake and all the similar things. Mm. But this same information over and over and over again in so many different cultures and it winds up, boom, in the tarot. And for me, the tarot is the, the most accessible, the easiest to do, the best place and the most Western version of all this stuff and you see a lot of people appreciate that uh, our friend uh, Eliphas Levy mm. Elias Ashmole uh, Ashmole the uh, f- one of the founding members of English of England Freemason free but of England well yeah but, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. of modern um, uh, yeah so why why did they all think that there was something in that. See, to the man on the street, it's it's superstitious nonsense. Yeah. And maybe that's well, why. Well, that's Scooby-Doo, isn't it? Yeah. It's Scooby-Doo, it's like, oh, it's, it, there's a ghost in there. And like, let's not go in. And then you do go in and you go, oh, it's Mr. Idiot Brains from next door. He's got a gold mine of prostitutes. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Joe Biden. He's just digging them up. Hunter Biden. <laughs> No, so, but do you know what I mean? It's it's written off. It's uh, as uh, superstition, uh, fortune telling. I did it. Well, I, I think we all do it. Sensible, of yeah. the, the, the I, I never forget sat on a on a train one night, and there was there's a, a, a lady, a very posh sounding lady, talking to a very posh sounding chap on the seats behind me, and they were talking about astrology, 
I'd have been in my mid-twenties. And, uh, and she goes, and the thing is, though, you wouldn't believe it, it's, it all works like this. And I was just sniggering to myself. You know, and then years later, when I'd, I'd ended up, you know, I'd, the astrology thing particularly, I'd, I'd avoid it. I didn't want to. He was always staring me in the face. I'm like, I can't be arsed on another stupid thing now. And then just enough times, it, it was like, no, it's not what you think it is. It's not the fortune telling thing. It, it's, it's a system of psychology. And when I studied it, it is a system of psychology. That system of psychology, the, the most important parts of it, have been transferred into the major arcana of the tarot. So you get this mix of Pythagorean number philosophy, excuse me, Pythagorean number philosophy, and an arrangement. So imagine this. You've got the seven planets and the 12 principalities, the 12 houses of the zodiac. You hear about certain houses being like the the domicile or other other silly sounding words that basically mean that these two things get on. Saturn gets on with Capricorn. Jupiter gets on with Aquarius or whatever it'll be. When you put all the planets in the right place, they have a meaning. They have a meaning because the, the house of the Zodiac means something and the planet means something. And then you get all these secret esoteric things that... that frankly we've explained in these last few episodes mm. um, and they are literally put together encapsulated into each of these tarot cards so for example uh, the the sun has its unique home in Leo which is August it's it's the hottest days so the tarot card for Leo is a lady sat next to a, a lion and she either closing its mouth or opening its mouth. So what's the lion? The, the lion is the devouring nature of man. It's that thing that makes you want to go and do something. If a kid wants to go and do something and not having as, as many inhibitions as we do, they will go and devour it. Oh, look, uh, uh, a grasshopper. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, look, mummy. Oh, no. You know what I mean? They just want it that much. So this is this devouring aspect is very much linked to sex, as you can imagine. It being the main driving force of people. So what? What? who, who is this, this maiden next to the lion? Well, there is a maiden next to the lion in the sky. It's Virgo. Right. And then when you take into, the, into account what goes on with Virgo, you realise that what she's doing is using... Uh, a little wisdom, just calmness and understanding and, and a few of the feminine qualities to take that roaring sex force that you've got that makes you want to, you know, you look, if you just let your inhibitions go, you'd eat everything that you wanted to eat. And shag everything. You, you know, you drive at 500 miles an hour down the motorway, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yep. You'd punch that small child that was being horrible, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and not just wring its neck quietly when no one's watching. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's this force, and it could be calmed by wisdom, by just count to five and see who you are then, and and like, no, no, I understand that you have these feelings, but now's not the time. You know what I mean? And other other such similar. And, oh my gosh! You know, it's it's unconscious and conscious brain again, isn't it? It totally is. It, it yeah. is. But f funnily enough. 
it's it's on that one. It's like a, a conscious unconscious and an unconscious conscious. What? So the lion, <laughs> the lion would be an unconscious consciousness. It's that that um, that sex drive that you've got is is very you you can see it you know it's there you just can't control it. It's not it is unconscious but not it's an unconscious impulse but it's very conscious when you're there. Oh you right, you know yeah. damn well what you want to do. Yeah. It's just can you stop it? Yes. Whereas hers is is the quiet voice that's actually quite unconscious inside. I've got a headache. Yeah, <laughs> that one again, and there you go. So so. We're always dealing with these polarities, but as you say, always conscious and unconscious. Uh, so we've got this stacking of the wisdom of the Zodiac in there. But if you wind it back and we go to the first card, we've got this Zodiac stuff, definitely, but this Pythagoreanism as well. Right, which card's this? This card is card number one. In fact, should, should, we, should we just, to help everybody at home... John, uh, throw a picture on. Yeah, that's so, the fool. That's the fool. So we'll, we'll not talk about the fool. We'll to this one. So there's the magician. I did these cards, by the way, about eight nine years ago. Lovely. Uh, so the magician is uh, well. He's, he's very dark on this, which is good. Um, he's doing an above and above below point, and uh, on the. On the most popular deck, he'll have um, a table in front of him with a sword, a cup, a wand, okay. some discs. Uh, why is it in front of us? Yes, yeah. Yeah, the magician with his table. All right, there you go, yeah. So he's got his things around him. On the very first card, as, as has been said, he was uh, a scribe. He's got uh, a quill, a book, uh, some cups with some ink in them and, and a few other things that are necessary to the scribe. What do a scribe and a magician have in common? Well, a magician makes symbols and uses those to get his way. So it might be a ritual. It might be a new word. It might it might be a narrative that, that, that you've put out. Remembering that most magicians and wizards were essentially Merlin characters and advising the king, if, right, if, yeah. not, if not themselves being priest kings. Mm. So, so what's this got to do with a scribe? Well, a scribe's creating media. Uh, a, a, a scribe is taking reality and putting it into symbolic form. Now, it's up to the scribe to determine. The king may say one thing. The scribe writes something else and hands it to somebody. We've got a magic going on here. We've, we've got uh, a gap between the source and the receiver. And in this gap, Mercury fills that gap. Mercury goes above and below. Mercury is the god of communication. But he's also the trickster god because he can distort that communication. Here we have Mercury, the trickster god. The other thing about Mercury is that he's androgynous. He has the male and the female with him, in him. Well, this is the Pythagorean, Pythagorean number philosophy of the number one. The number one contains two within it. Seems weird, but it does. Why? Because we've got a one. Well, you're a one, aren't you? I'm another one. Well, we've got two now. Yeah. Or if I say I'm me. Or if there's a me, there's a not me. Mm. Or if I say there's a place, well, there's another place that's not that place. Or there's the a perimeter of that place. You can't have, in this universe, you can't have one without having two. We fucking talked about this a couple of weeks ago, yeah? yeah? About dividing one. 
with the sword of you know you start off with a one a singularity a singular and then as soon as you divide that one that gives you two and from two plus your one that you started with you derive three and we go back to the gnostic fucking creation philosophy yeah. again and there you go yeah and that's what these cards are the first the first card um is the magician this androgynous number one character the second card is the feminine the the high priestess the third card is what happens is that the the magician the first card the high priestess the second card enter into a combination with each other and produce this third thing well in, in my deck if you go to the third one she's preggers Oh, right. Because she's pregnant with this fourth thing. Because you think you can, so. One, you can't have one. It's two. You can't have two because one and two are in a system with each other and making three. Well, you can't have three because that one and two in a system is actually created something else. Because you've got I'm I've got some ideas. You got some other ideas. They combine together. We have a little thought, baby. She's pregnant with it. Then we got a fourth thing. <laughs> And then it, then it's that, that fourth thing starts off again. That fourth thing's just the same as that number one, and then you're off again. And as Pythagoras likes to point out, um, obviously we count in tens. Uh, you only need to count to four to be able to get to ten. This is the... When you say the Pythagorean number theory, are we talking about this pyramid? The Tetractus. Yes, Te- right, how, do you, what, how do you say it? The Tetractus. Right, yeah. So you start with one here, and then two above it, and then mm-hmm. three, then uh, four. four. Yeah. A snooker. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. A setting up a racking up a pool table. Well, it's, it's exactly what I've been talking about with the tarot. One at the top, unity, the monad, fire. Beneath it, water, duality. Beneath that, we've got the three. What's called the three modes. So uh, I, I like the Indian version. Um, uh, Brahma. Vishnu and Shiva, the creator, the maintainer, and the destroyer. In astrology, they know it as cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Cardinal means like a hinge on a door to open. Yeah. Uh, fixed means to keep it going, and mutable means to mutate, to change. And what about the the Holy Trinity of the Judeo-Christian? I think yeah, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have the creator, the the maintainer, the the Christ, and the destroyer, the changer, the the feminine aspects who gives birth to things and, you know, literally destroys her old form and creates a new one. Amazing. So this is all over this stuff and teaches you... They are flashcards. That's exactly what they are, the flashcards. to take teach you this ancient... <laughs> oh, my God. I'm pretty sure that's why they built Gebekli Tepe. Mm. You know, the, these numbers are all over those pillars i mean one of the things that struck me earlier on when you when you mentioned about this being used um sort of when civilization is reset that's one of the advantages with symbolism is that it doesn't require any linguistics or knowing any particular script or language these things go beyond that so at home everybody over this last good while i've been writing a book and this week I've gotten to a chapter where I, I've been considering symbols themselves and, w- and what symbols really what symbols really are. Obviously, your brain thinks in symbols. That's, that's how it works. You take in something in reality, you map it in your brain, that's a symbol, that's how your brain works. Symbols and pattern recognition. And, and when we think symbol, it's quite right that you think of a, an image, but a symbol isn't necessarily an image. A symbol could be a dance, a symbolic dance, you know. It could be a, a song. 
you know that that song she was singing sounded like she was singing um the, the there's a famous one by common the rapper common uh i used to love her but really he's talking about hip-hop he doesn't like hip-hop anymore he's, he's gone a funny way he doesn't doesn't love her anymore so we we can we speak in symbols and metaphors and all these other similes, um, but there's something special about this visual art of symbols, and it happens as soon as we make any we create anything. The simplest thing you can create is a dot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You put your finger in the sand. You put your finger in the mud. That's the you know that's the simplest sing, simplest thing we can artifice. Well, actually, that dot has a meaning, doesn't it? Are we we use words. Do you get the point? Do you know what I mean? Uh, you put, will you point to it, or, or um, I put a full stop on the end of that? Or you know what a point means? It's this terminal terminus. It's 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 a pin in a map. It's it's a a dot at the end of a word it, it's it's the the mark you've left on on somebody do you know what i mean um we we take two points and you draw it's a line isn't it you draw a line though well look how many things have we got already that are ba- that are basics of reality we've we've got a here and a there we've got a, a north and a south we've got a d- destination we've got a, do you know what i mean there's so many things conjured up in our minds because there's a line on something uh, how, how about this um, we want to use a line as a device we're lost we're in a cave somewhere I draw a line on the ground what, it, you're thinking well yeah okay we're, it means a direction but which direction does it mean it's not good enough is it it's nearly there but you've got, you've got this polarity to it you can draw a little arrow on the end and, and indicate something else, but what you're doing is making it asymmetrical then. Mm. Well, you know, the, there's so much meaning in all these things straight away. Asymmetry would be like, a, oh, it's a dead end the other way. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's so much invoked by the simplest a circle. Everyone says, well, what's the meaning of a circle? Is it, well, infinity, and, and it never. there's no beginning, and there's no end, and there's an inside to it, and there's an outside yep. to it. And you put a point in there, whoa, we've got the symbol for gold and the most important symbol for the ancients, the symbol of consciousness. The symbol of consciousness is that you've got this egoic rim, this egoic wall around the outside, and then there's a central something in the middle that's powering all this stuff. There's, that's the you. That's the you center of it because everything everything has a center doesn't it you could say the whole universe Every, is made up of centers it does but it's what what's interesting is you can't nail it down it doesn't matter how far you drill down you can't find the absolute center of everything that is that i think it, it goes back to like squaring of the circle yeah I, I think that's to do with that number one principle again because it's everything everything is and one. one and one <laughs> yeah everything is one the, the alchemists call it the one thing, and I think that's a great way of putting it. But um, they equally thought it, that everything had an axis mundi, a, a centre to itself. Well, it's everything but nothing, isn't it? Every, well, not, nothing isn't a thing, though. It's not, yeah. You well, can't quantify it. It doesn't exist. Yeah, nothing doesn't exist. Right, OK. You need it to, because you're existing, it, it, it's got some weird existence in you. You're because you're thinking nothing, and that thought is a thing. Ah, uh, that, that, you get that me? exists. Yeah, that exists when really it's like when they say what happened before the Big Bang. 
nothing. Well, nah, that's not good enough. That's not good enough, is it? Because nothing doesn't exist. Well, everything that happened before the Big Bang, that's the... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like how um, a lot of this symbolism is relatable to, like, cutting-edge cosmology. And, like, we talk about the, the singularity, yeah, the singularity yeah. of the, the Big Bang or a black hole. It's, it's like these guys already knew this before so, the Hubble Space Telescope. Well, you know? Okay, so we're talking about the first card, the, the magician. What he really is, those things on his table are those four elements that we discussed before, the fire, water, the air, right. and earth. And because he's number one, he is everything. He's the index of the book. He's all the things labelled out. He's got his cup, he's got his sword, he's got his, his wand. You know, he's a magician, he's got his cloak on. <laughs> but he's only an initiate magician, he's only the number one. He's not got through to number 21 yet. That's because all these... All these cards are the same character. All these cards are, the, are a journey. You could see it as the fool's journey, the path of the fool. He, he kind of meets the magician, learns his trade. Oh, I'm a magician now. Meets the high priestess. Oh, I'm a lady. <laughs> meets the, <laughs> you know, and he's going through this journey. It's you. The whole thing's you. There are all aspects of you in the universe around you. Uh, and and the, here's one of the strange things. I, I love this. Um, I, I thought it myself, and then I heard Manly P. Hall put it much better than I put it. And that was, okay, one is perfect, one is the whole universe. But it's not experienced itself yet. And strangely, it gets closer back towards actual unity. Number one gets closer to unity the further it goes through numeration. Because, because if you think about God, in inverted commas, the universe was everything. So everything in the universe is that one thing divided up. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, if everything's one thing divided up and you start off as one thing, you're getting closer to the being that one thing again, the, the, the further, do you know what I mean? You can imagine there'd be a, a planet, let's say Jupiter suddenly had his own big ideas and went, right, I'm having you, I'm having you, I'm having you, and went around collecting all the matter. Yeah. I'm struggling because I'm, I'm thinking it's getting more atomized, but you're saying it's getting no, closer you're, to you're one. No, you're one and also part of one. Oh, right. You're yeah. one and part of this larger one. You're a division of that larger one. Yes. Right? But as you... Look, it's in your life. You, you, might, you might be well Phil when you're born, yeah? Most of your character's already there in, in your genes or whatever. You're yet to be shaped by life. But, you know, the, the basics are in there. But you're getting closer to being you the older you get. As long as you're focusing on life and trying to, you know, mm -hmm. trying to release yourself, you get closer to being one if you keep your eyes open and, and keep doing your thing as you get older. Do you not feel more yourself now than you did when you were 20? But there's more of you. Right. So n number itself, as, as the numbers get this. bigger... Let me just turn it off. That's all right. As numbers get bigger... Uh, as you accrue more knowledge, you come closer to being one again. Well, this sounds very Gnostic as well, because this sounds like, you know, you're meditating and you're being ascetic and doing all these things, and the the uh, goal is to become unity again, to sort yes. of escape the re reincarnation trap and ascend into mm. above the seven spheres and into the... Yeah, this is that serpent knowledge that, that we keep talking about. The Snake about. Brothers. Yeah. Brotherhood of the Serpent. Mm. It's it's that the the 
the seven serpents in you, the the, the chakra, mostly the it's just the the seven virtues, the seven vices, whatever you want to call them, uh, instinctual forces within you that are, they've whittled it down to seven to make it easy to remember. Uh, these are the serpents, and you've got to overcome them. And, and the serpent wisdom is knowing that there's a card in the tarot. Of course there is. We should look at it, actually. Um, it's the devil. It's card number 15. 15. Oh. You, know, you know it's the devil because there'll be a devil on there. <laughs> Will it look like uh, Simon Cowell? <laughs> it will look like this one. Is that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's, I've done him as Baphomet on this. Um, so on the devil card the devil is an aspect of Saturn Saturn is the great serpent the devil's the great serpent we've just said the serpents are these unconscious driving aspects of yourself Um, and what that does is these two people at the front um, have actually done the deck (laughs) (laughs) Phobos and Deimos, the two the two moons of oh, Mars. Uh, fear and terror is what they mean in Greek. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. I uh, thought Phobos would be something to do with light. Oh, like, no? phobia. like phobia. Phobia, of course, yeah. So um, what, what does the devil do? Well, he enslaves you, doesn't he? He gets you like a Faustian pact. He gets you in his, his grasp. And he goes, oh, you want the drugs. These drugs feel good. And you go, mm. I like the drugs. They feel so good in my body. And then I take the drugs for too long. And now... Quiet, Annabelle. <laughs> I'm going to bring Annabelle on the screen. No, don't do that. Annabelle's a strange puppet that's going in the background. Uh, not supposed to be a puppet, but she keeps moving on her own. Uh, so... We've got Phobos, Deimos, and what the devil does is by, you know, whispering in your ear when there is a vice around, uh, he kind of gets you attached to it and gets you chained up, and you're not, there's chains on, on this image. This famous temptation, isn't it? Yeah. The temptation it, yeah. of Jesus on and, the... And, and you get chained to, to your addictions by it, by being tempted, giving, the devil's got you, but you know it's... Forge more, another link. Yeah, in, but you do it yourself, really. Yeah. And you, you'll see on, on these, as, as there is on the more common ones, that the the collar's very loose. You can just take it off <laughs> any time you want to. Brilliant. I love that. And yeah, it's not on you. You can take it yeah, exactly, yeah. You it's, can take it's, it any time you want to. It's voluntary mm-hmm. to a degree. To a degree. Uh, Baphomet up there himself uh, representing th- what you can do well with these animal instincts. You know, Baphomet got turned into the devil, but even the devil's not really the devil. It's this Scooby-Doo stuff again, they're trying to scare you away. The devil was is uh, all the iconography of Pan from the ancient Greek pantheon. Right. Mr. Tumnus. Yeah. <laughs> who, who is this sexual ardour? Again, it's, it's you wanting to go and get things. Can you control it or not? That That's, you know, the... If you were to whittle everything down in the humanistic aspect of all these mistragitions, it's that. You often see the Masons riding the goat and, and all these other weird stuff. Never heard of that one. Masons riding the goat. I know about the the, the lambskin. Um, the old willy coverer. Yeah, willy coverer. Mm-hmm. But no, not goats. What's the yeah, goat? Yeah, these are, well, when Masons really started getting a bad name uh, during the 70s and 80s, uh, satanic panic. What, 1770s? 
Well, you know, I know it's been going on a long time, but in in, in mod, the modern day, these dirty games. Oh right, again, yeah, seventies, eighties. You know, in Britain, it was because they were institutionalized with the police yes. and very overtly so mm. in america it's because guys like the shriners was were actually openly riding around on goats <laughs> and doing other masonic things what's the, wrong with that I don't know, yeah. well there's nothing wrong with it and it looked like a right jolly old time but <laughs> you can imagine the most of the public misunderstand it really what they're saying is can you ride your dragon can you ride your goat? The goat is that horny old goat. You have horny parts of you. Can you, you know, somehow seize hold of it and ride it instead of making it, letting it ride you? <laughs> Did he do that as well? Oh, look, you know, the problem was that they, they were having too much fun and they were oh. using funds to get uh, ladies of the night and other things like that. All right. Taking it too far, lads. Well, you know, this that's the thing about these occult traditions, because sex is so much a part of it. You know, this polarity stuff is sex, isn't it? It's male and female. The whole mm. all the thing, all the way down is sex. So you're going to get horny people getting ideas and using it. Shall I turn this card off? Are we done with, uh, <laughs> what was it, the devil card? The devil card. What's, what's this uh, yellow glowing thingy? I can't quite make that's, it out. That's a torch pointing downwards, uh, as in Cartes, who's on the Mithraic... Sorry, my fault. It'd be better... If I look you in the eyes while I'm doing it. Well, no, it's because uh, you're expressing yourself and looking and the very directional. That's better. Sorry, the torch pointing down. Pointing Mithraic. downwards. Cortes. Uh, there's Cortes and Fannies on the Mithraic um, Taroctony images. And you'll see a guy pointing a, a torch up and a guy pointing a torch down. Torch up, consciousness heading upwards. Torch down, consciousness heading downwards into the underworld. So it might be for bad reasons, but it might also be for good reasons because lots of shamanism is based around going into the underworld, which is so, your own psyche, essentially. Similar to the Eliphas Levi Baphomet with the occult, similar to the cult ones going up, ones it going down. Literally, similar idea. The, the, no, it is that. I've, I've taken it from. Right. Cool. And, uh, but but again, uh, Levy took his Baphomet essentially from the tarot. And that Baphomet that you see was done for his... He did a few cards for the tarot. He did the Wheel of Fortune, which we did in previous episodes. Um, Baphomet is his most famous figure. That Baphomet's got... Th- that Baphomet... If the devil was a good guy, that's Baphomet. So it's just funny how it's been... You know, he didn't intend it to be anything dark, but it's it's been understandably put that way but it just shows you how few people actually know what all this stuff is is that the one with the big chaps yeah right. the androgynous the same page androgynous yeah. goat man with a caduceus for a penis yes yes lucky <laughs> <laughs> got two snakes there as well <laughs> breaks a little tickle well so I, th- I, th- I think, you know, men- mentioning Levy, it- it's interesting to, to note folks like McGregor uh, um, Mathers, who had a lot to do with it because of uh, Arthur Edward Waite, who made the most famous tarot decks. Yes, these are guys from the Golden Dawn. Because as you introduce things, you were saying that tarot's got such a big... Uh, Tarot seems so meaningful to so many of these modern-ish esoteric 
practitioners, you know, Golden Dawn, uh, all of the Masons, they're all obsessed with the tarot. You said uh, someone A.E. Waite. He was uh, a, Arthur um, Edward Waite, yeah. He's a member of the Golden Dawn, or was a member of the Golden yes. Dawn. I'm sure I have several books on my wish list that are written by him. I have no idea who Probably, he was. Probably, yeah. Yeah, Shit. If you're dealing with all this stuff. Right. Yeah. He was obsessed with the Grail Mysteries and everything else. Grail Mysteries, yeah. that's why. Right. Mm. Fuck. Right, so he was uh, a magic man. Yeah, oh, absolutely was. A uh, very pompous guy, and you'll want to punch yourself in the face while you're reading this stuff, because <laughs> the man's an ass. <laughs> have, you, put it. have you ever had, like, an urge to get involved in the cult societies, Golden Dawn, or... Uh... Yeah. But I've never bumped into them, and you know, as with you, I'm an autodidact. I've always that's painful. <laughs> an autodidact, everybody. Somebody who teaches himself. Um, I don't, you know, I've had a couple of good martial arts teachers when I was younger, but but essentially for everything else, from you know making music to making everything, I've taught myself, and and I wished for, for teachers, but it turned out that my inquisitive nature. Was my best teacher, and and my bullshit detector as well. Yeah, I was just curious whether you'd you know have uh, considered you know because you're so deeply um, invested's the wrong word, but um, deeply interested in these subjects. Whether you know I I'm sort of I'm very skeptical and um, cautious when it comes to things like Golden Dawn and uh, mm-hmm. what's the other famous one, the Crowley one? Um, um, or the OTO. Yeah, OTO. Or Templo Orientis. Oh, Seedable Ledbetter. Sorry, well, we've been completely oh, up, uh, ignoring the comments words. all night. CW Ledbetter, that's another guy who's on my reading list. I'm not sure why. CW Ledbetter. <laughs> find out eventually. <laughs> uh, oh, God, which one was he? It rings a bell for me. I think, wasn't he something to do with, um, what's his face? Um, Gurdjieff. Oh, right, Gurdjieff. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I know Ledbetter. I've read some of his stuff, but I can't remember where the hell I've, I've heard of him from. He's definitely to do with the occult stuff. And I'm, definitely something to do with the Western tradition as well. I'm currently working up the courage to start Gurdjieff. I've read Uspensky, mm-hmm. who, who was his, like... Uh, Number one disciple yeah, and who, who sort of decoded the ramblings of Gurdjieff, and uh, I don't think I'm ready for it yet. And there was another guy because oh, I was emailing someone the other day about it. Gurdjieff. Jeff. Oh, it's, it's gone. There, Jeff. Someone. Jeff. It could have been Gurdjieff. Yeah. Yeah, but these are very difficult. Uspensky is difficult. You know, before, early, when you were talking about a point, about the simplest simplest symbol you can make was a point, and then two points, which makes a line. Yeah. I was I was thinking you were going into, like, the dimensions then. Well, I could have done. Well, that, that's it, where... Um, I can't, it bends my head. Yeah, Pythagoras <laughs> would like to go. Yeah. Yeah, that, well... The, the, one of the strange things is that w- once you start to unpack all that stuff, all the point and the line... <laughs> Um, you realise it needs to do with that tetractus. That tetractus of Pythagoras was picked up by the Kabbalists and turned into the, the Kabbalistic tree of life. And then... Would, would that be the Jewish, the, the early yeah, Jewish... Yeah, it's associated with the Jews, but it's clearly been taken from, you know, the Pythagorean... Yeah, so from, from Pythagoras, ancient Greece, then transposed to, to the Spanish Jews... Jews. So that's that's there's your key. So he's, he's from around here, really. 
Spanish Jews? Spanish Jews, yeah. Well, who were they? The Jews that lived in Spain. So after you had your... Uh, after the exile? Yeah, after the exile. Right. Spain, they, they got kicked out. Well, you, you think about um, your Portuguese father... Um, Ronaldo? <laughs> Chris Columbus. He, he, he was like a, a, a crypto Jew, as they called them. Crypto so juice, so you like right everybody. Fucking start merging and trading him. Well, a lot of that information of getting to the Americas is very much bound up with the Templars and and with copper mining and things like that. Right. Uh, are you aware? Uh, we're Colum- going off of such yeah, tangents, no, yeah. but it's so easy. Columbus uh, sailed under the Templar Cross, I believe, didn't he? He did, yeah. So yeah. what had happened with with Columbus is that he was one of these Jewish guys that was, either, look, either you're Christian or you're out. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> so then he's off. He's off flying under that Templar flag. And obviously they'd been to Israel and Palestine and all those places, picked up a lot of this information. We know, even his though... His brother, could... his brother, wasn't it, who, who stole the maps? Oh, wow, I've not heard this. What was his brother called? John? Steve. Steve? Yeah, it was <laughs> his, I think it was, his, it was something to do with his brother who was a cartographer in Venice. And he... There was some chicanery went on. He either hid maps or he copied some maps and burnt the originals or he copied some maps wrong and then gave them to the competition. He oh. was involved in some sort of conspiracy theory. I've heard Dean was a little uh, embroiled <laughs> in, in, in this as well. John Day? Yeah. That he was supplying a lot of those maps because didn't he have like a Mercator map or something like that? He had one of those, you know, oh, these yeah. famous maps. Like the Piriris. Yeah, yeah, all those things. He, he had one of those. And yeah, who knows? I mean, it's just such a mystery, isn't it? And if you're not there, you can't tell, you can't say, can't you? So much speculation is that there were trade routes to the Americas for definite. The cocaine mummies, do you know about the cocaine mummies? Uh, For for everybody out there that doesn't know about the cocaine mummies, your mum's an addict. No, actually, (laughs) (laughs) uh, a lot of the mummies in Egypt have. Tobacco and cocaine on them, used to you know as part of the desiccation process, as part of the ritual process, perhaps obviously because cocaine and tobacco both do something to you when you're not dead. Um, we've found sweet potatoes. Oh, but, well, why, 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 what's like the that. importance of uh, tobacco and cocaine? That's a good question, that Philip. Well, everybody, uh, cocaine and tobacco are only grown in the Americas uh-huh. and aren't from these parts of the They're world. They're not native from Eurasia or Africa. No. Yeah. And that and many other things and the fact that it, it seems that actually if you kind of know the way you can get blown over there quite easily on a raft or similar. Oh yeah, I read a book uh, last year. I think it was, was it not? No, it wasn't 1492. That's Columbus. It was, uh, it was like 40 years before that, like 1452 or something. Right. But Gavin Menzies' book, and he's charting, he charted the uh, Chinese treasure fleets circumnavigating the globe 80 years before Columbus and all sorts of monuments in North America from their voyage. But, you know, history is such a... There's a, a, a famous one um, that was to do with the shepherd oh there's that there's a famous monument downstairs that uh, downstairs down south that was to, <laughs> <laughs> downstairs, Excuse me? um to do with 
the Holy Grail, Dan, whatever his name is. Dan Brown. Dan Brown. The Shepherd Monument or something like that. Mm-hmm. It says Enarcadio uh, Ego or whatever it is. It's a famous thing. I'm surprised you don't know about it. Um, basically, to do with all this Templar stuff and all this Holy Grail stuff, a stone was found in America that had Preston written on it in Hebrew. And, it, and did, did you know how, how much Preston's wound up with the Holy Grail legends? No. With the Jacobites and all that. Like, oh, bringing it down. They, they had hold of it, apparently. It Which was, Jacobite rebellion are we talking about? The Jewish one or the, oh, uh, the Scottish one? That. The Scottish one, yeah. The Scottish one. The, the Scots came down and there's some, some tussle happened. Battle there, of Preston, yeah. Yeah. And they brought down as like a, a standard this thing that had the Holy Grail in it. Yeah. Take that drink like a, it last. Was a stone or something like that, it was described as. Yeah. Well, look oh. how much Masonic stuff around Preston. Just walk around Preston Park. You got a bloody obelisk. Yeah. Normal bikes don't have an obelisk or sphinxes on the benches. A priest town. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my, my favourite one was um, my mum had come to visit me and I was showing her the beautiful park that we have in Preston. And co- coming from Bolton, mum doesn't know such things. Uh, uh, no, Bolton's lovely. Uh, so we're walking up. Sorry, nobody will know what I'm on about either, but there are a couple of bridges on the park. There's the, the railway bridge, and then there's the one that everyone can still walk over, and there's the one that's been shut down, the old tram yeah, bridge. The old yeah, the tram. Yeah. So as you approach that, uh, there's, a, there's a post, and it, we were just talking about the work that I've been doing. And I said, oh, look, that looks like Hermes Caduceus staff there. And sure enough, it was this thing wrapped up and snaking up. And we got there, and it was there was the, the head of the Sphinx on there, Orion constellation, things in Hebrew, things what? in... Yeah, I'll take a photo of it. How old is it? it? Uh, probably 20s or 30s. Looks like Art Deco to me. Oh. Uh, but a lot of Preston's Art Deco, Masonic... And Preston's a very um, historical town. Um, at least going back to the Roman times, we have a road called Watling Street Road, right. which is an old Roman road. Yeah. And the, the battle that Boudicca was defeated in was the Battle of Watling Street. Um, and Watling Street was a road that went, that went, I think, probably from the Midlands up near enough to Newcastle in a sort of a ship, you know, wavy way. Well, like a, a motorway kind of an idea. It was one of the main sort of archery roads that the Romans right. built, Watling Street. And okay. so she was defeated at Watling Street Road. And we have a bit of it that's sort of survived so, on our maps. Yeah, yeah. Has, has that got to do with the A6? I know the A6 is a bit like that, isn't it? A6? Is it a bit of Roman? Could be. Because uh, I grew up in uh, a little village called Blackrod that had been a, a Roman fort. I remember, right. uh, I think for a while, there was a black emperor of Rome that had, had kind of, uh, or certainly a high regent or something like that, that was that was guiding the armies from the... Yeah. And they they well called Roman walls. and Famously, Rivington um, as well as lots of Roman roads. Ribchester. So Ribchester was a fort. It seems that the, ri- the Ribble was important. Anywhere where there yeah, was a the, decent waterway would be where they would set up fortifications. Belisama, what did they used to call it? Yeah. After like a goddess, it was Fresh it, Prince of Belisama. <laughs> that's the one. Is <laughs> it Belisama? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it was important to the Celts before then as well. It's had a 
you know, they paste these things over the top of previous. This, this area from, from like, you know, Standish is, is apparently where Camelot was, if there was a Camelot, you know, just around the corner from here. There's the, it's that period, you know, that early medieval period to the mid medieval period, really actually very important place. And then you, you skip on a little bit, Industrial Revolution around here. So there's, you know. It, it is quite an important place, as, as much as we, we put it down and kind it's of have a job. Oh, of course we do, yeah. yeah. But it is, it's been a melting pot for a couple of thousand years, at least. Mm. It's weird. Like, you mentioned, like, the cotton, you know, the cotton trade, and you couldn't, you know, we I can see from my bedroom window an old cotton mill. With the Tulketh. Yeah, the Tulketh mill. And then I can drive to Ribchester, and I can see a street named Sarmatian Street. Which Sarmation. was named the Sarmatian Cavalry, were Roman auxiliaries, oh, right. like the uh, horse archer from the steppe, yeah, steppe wow. tribes. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Isn't it? Because <laughs> the world is actually so small, and we, you know, people complain. Basically, what I want to say is cultures have always intermingled, and isn't this a wonderful thing? And we've yep. got so much to teach each other, good and bad, you know, you shouldn't be having that way. Oh, that's so cool. And it, it, it's wonderful. Uh, England's are often put across as this mongrel nation. And yes, it's true. You know, it, there's been a lot of visitors to these small damn piles, but that's true everywhere. May, mm. Maybe not like the North Pole, but everywhere else. We're just talking about South America. The, the South Americans clearly have a Chinese heritage. You know, you, you look at them, as, especially around um, getting towards the, the very south tip. They have a very oriental... God, he's like, can you even say anything anymore? Orient means the east, everybody. Oriental looking. They're eastern looking. Uh, you go a bit further up, they're a bit more western looking. And then when you start looking at the DNA and things like the blood groups and stuff like that, well, that is true. The, the, the people from what we call China now, came over the, a land bridge over the top and, and got... Right, and yeah, the Inuits um, have the, the yeah. same sort of similar characteristics. Similar facial features, yeah, yeah. yeah. Phenotype. Yeah. yeah. Xenomorph. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, we've blown over an hour already. Oh, I think great. I think we should... Uh, Only three more hours to go. <laughs> yes, for the tarot, yeah. <laughs> Part one. Yes, God, I'd say uh, we've not even touched on it, really, but yeah, that, that'll as, do. <laughs> as usual, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, Ryan sent over 80 slides <laughs> this evening, and we looked at three. Don't, don't, so don't plenty like, to go at. It's oh a plenty. God, you don't want to do all that. I mean, I'll tell you what, if you actually want to do a serious one on the tarot, I'm, I'm very happy to, to go through the cards for you. This wasn't a serious one about the tarot. <laughs> <laughs> right. I did zero preparation. Those cards I made myself like, yeah, as if I've made those for you. Like, that took me a year. That's expecting 78 episodes. Has anyone ever made like a modern tarot deck? Yeah, it's I know. Just, I know. Well, yeah. well, of course. Yeah, sorry. Well, but, but, but the like, intention uh, of my deck was th- there's you need to have some layering there and some secrecy. That secrecy, you need to be able to put these ideas into a, a pictorial symbolic form. So, of course, there are there are veils there between what you intend and what somebody else is able to extract from it. However, as much as humanly possible, I took those things away. Right. And uh, it's as simple as they can get, and everything's there. If it's something to do with a magic mushroom, I drew a bloody magic mushroom. <laughs> if it's something to do with sex, I drew a willy and a vagina. <laughs> In my, you know what I mean? I, I broke it down as much as I could, because I am bloody sick of these veils. 
I was thinking more of like a pop culture deck. Uh, Boba been, Fett. Well, we were joking there about... There is a Star um, Wars one. There's a Street the, Fighter one. There's is all there, sorts. Is there? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're very collectible, so you get all kinds of decks. Wow. But whether those are tarot or not anymore, I, I ah, right, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Just well, art. Just yeah, just cool. Well, are you um, going to uh, answer Tony's question? What's Sorry, Tony's question? Tony's question. He said, um, can you unfold, read the meanings of the tarot using your subconscious, using the pack type, which resonates with you personally? Yes, you can, Tony. However, there are only certain decks I would recommend. Not the Star Wars one. Not the Star Wars <laughs> one. The Lord of the Rings one, yeah. the My Little Pony one, uh, the Batman Begins one. That's no. Um, I would feel in an Amish Inquisition one for the loot chest. Uh, yeah. 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 Sorry. Uh, yeah. So right away, it's got it. The old Visconti ones have got it. Um, if you want to get hold of me, I can send you a copy of my deck if you want that. Um, I use the Thoth deck mostly, as Helen White says up there. I've actually brought the Thoth deck with me tonight. Um, That's the one I learned from. That's the most difficult one. That's Crowley's deck. Um, But again, like me, he's put everything on on the... Not so much on the surface, because he's Alistair Crowley. He's occulted a lot of it, but he's brought a lot more of it out. Than, than most other artists have artists. Somebody else drew it. Frida, Lady Frida Harris actually did the, the Crowley Thoth deck mm. under his advice. Right. I think she paid him, actually. For the privilege. <laughs> He's white. I love that wanker. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to sign off uh, after this wonderful excursion with Ryan Seven yet again, and we will await your return. Anytime, for guys, another anytime. time. And uh, we'll see you fuckers for part two very shortly after a small piss break and refreshment. (laughs) Okay. Bye. (laughs) Ciao. Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our chat with our mate Ryan Seven. Excellent as ever. Talking about the tarot. It's good fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's so much, though. There's so many layers to this shit. It's only, you can only get so far in an hour. It's never ended. So we're going to have to do it again, aren't we? Forever. Well, we'll have to do it again then, won't we? Whoop. Yes. Do you yeah, remember that I from mean, Pantos? Pantos? Yes, I do, actually. Yeah, that's where I want to put it. What are you doing, Matt? Um, I'm just putting the thing here for everyone. Oh, in the Discord. He's shouting out. Oh, there he is. Oh, nice one. It's got a link in the Discord if you want to follow along live. Hey, if you're listening, podcast land, you know we do this thing live, unrehearsed, every Sunday, approximately 8pm UK time. Yeah. Or uh, what would that be? 3pm Eastern, if you're in the States, which most of you are. You know, only about 20% of the people listening are in in the land of Albany. Yeah. Albion, sorry. Albany. Albany, I meant Albion. Albuquerque. The glorious Albion, the the homeland. Oh, yeah. Mother England, Great Britain. Yeah. Yes. Grand Britannia. So that was good fun. I I love talking to Ryan. And uh, he's going to be coming back in a few weeks. And I'm thinking that might be the show where I shall reveal my artifacts. Oh, the artifacts. Because they have some some occult stuff going on there. (sighs) I want to see them. Yeah. So look forward to that. Right, let's move on. Quick, let's get got loads of fun stuff to do today. So uh, let's rattle through some housekeeping. Housekeeping. 
housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast, and if you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a, a myriad of ways of doing this, and my favourite way, as always, is word of mouth. Shoot people a link, forward uh, a Spotify link or a YouTube video, and say, get a load of this, you fuckers. You might like it. Yeah, speak your words into their ear holes. Oh, what happened then? It just cut off, like it did last week. It's fine. Oh. Well, how else can you become a producer? Um, you could give us some guest suggestions. That's always mm-hmm. that's always a great one. Join the Discord and tell us about things. Yeah. Well, there's always Army Shannabel as well. <sighs> well, hello there. How are you doing? Good God. Oh dear. It's me again. I've come back to do some more housekeeping. It's like... How can I help you boss today? It's terrifying. Can I claw this microphone? Oh, yeah. So, what would you like some housekeeping doing on, Miss Ben? I mean, uh, I'm all right. <laughs> I was Ma- kept. Maybe you it's could like- join the fucking Discord, couldn't you? It's like Amish Phil's doing an impression of a southern lady doing an impression of Amish Annabelle. I don't, I'm not talking. There's layers. There's Amish Annabelle yeah. talking. What's uh, Amish Annabelle? What's uh, what's uh, an example of something you could do on the Discord channel? Well, you could send a guest suggestion down there. We got a thread for that. There's a thread for it. You could send us some artwork. That's a good point. Yeah, we love getting show artwork. We had this sent from uh, Lee from the Big Conspire podcast, and, you know, I'm not sure it's suitable for for using a show artwork, uh, Bacon Nuts. But, I don't know, do you think we should um, slap that on a T-shirt and put it on the Amish loot chest? Well, yeah, I think we should. That's getting really weird, but yeah. (laughs) Should be a sticker at least. A sticker would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm not sure iTunes will. Uh, I'm sure if you look in the T's and C's of iTunes, there will be something about having massive hairy testicles on your show artwork being prohibited. Yeah. yeah. Ah, really? I would imagine so. We got TikTok now, Matt. Yeah. Are you allowed like, massive okay. hairy testicles on TikTok? Um. No. There seem to be quite a lot of uh, innuendo on there, though. In your endo? (laughs) (laughs) Are there any tractors Um, on it? (laughs) We might come to that later. (laughs) Um, Absolutely smashing it on there. The William Shakespeare stuff's gone down well. Nice. Yeah, the stuff with uh, Robert Frederick last week has proved uh, popular on TikTok. So there'll be a show in the uh, a show. There'll be a, a link in the show notes for that. Mm. If you want to join us on TikTok, mm. and TikTok, uh, it's like Tick-tack. Wrath of Khan, isn't it? <laughs> TikTok. I really want to play the General um, Kierkegaard. <laughs> Louis Theroux rap for you as well. All right. When are you going to do that? I don't know. I, was, I don't know if I could just play it on my phone and you could listen to it. Ooh. All right. How long will it's it take, do you think, to pull it up on your phone? 
30 seconds. To, oh, it's ready now. Is it ready now? It. All right. Well, go ahead then and play it to us and see if we can hear it. Can you hear this? It starts as an interview. I, d- I have rapped in a program I did, a Weird Weekends episode about rap. Can you remember any of the rap that you did? My money don't jiggle, jiggle. It falls to see wiggle, wiggle. For sure, you want to dribble, dribble. You know, riding in my fear, you really have to see it. Six feet two in a compact. No slack, but luckily the seats go back. I got a nap to relax in my mind. Red, red wine. There's more. <laughs> That's it. Wow. Uh, I mean, I've it's heard been that. going round and round in my head for days. That so that'll stop it now. Dribble, dribble. <laughs> uh, what else can you do in the Discord? You can send us a focus cheer request. If you're in a flunk and you, you need some positive en- energy, tunneling, funneling in your direction. For your given aim, then pop a request in the correct thread in the Discord server. Or email us at thearmysinquisition at gmail.com. And we will endeavour to make it so. Yes. And it's 100% accurate. It's never failed yet. Never. Maybe you got a yeah, did I say, job interview. Uh, maybe you're having um, depleted chi in the form of a health condition or someone you love is. Or maybe you're just feeling a bit down the dumps. We will help you. Existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, midlife crisis. <laughs> Any crisis. Yeah. Maybe you've started talking through a porcelain doll. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can send us uh, corrections, addendums, and corrigendums if we get something wrong. I mean, that's pretty fucking rare. Unlikely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we never saw, never discussed my artwork. I made an artwork submission for this show with Ryan. We skipped past it. I'll reveal the artwork for t- episode 229 now. <coughs> I think of that one, Ben. Oh, I like it. It's got the tarot cards and an ank. Ank! It's got some... Uh, I quite like the uh, typeface on the, on the Ryan 7. What it is missing, though, is some massive hairy bollocks. <laughs> True. Bacon nuts. Yeah, some bacon nuts. Yeah, but we have new artwork for every episode, and that's yes. a good way of becoming a producer. If you're a, of an artistic persuasion, and you're good with the GIMP, or the Vector, ah, the or, the, GIMP. or the Photoshop, or whatever it is, whatever software you use, you can um, submit. Paint. Sorry? Paint. Yeah. Paint. Paint. Yes, uh, Amy, the artist, a uh, producer from a bygone age, she laughed at me. And I said I was using Microsoft Paint. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, apparently it was beneath. It's, it's beneath us artistic oh, types. Yeah. Mm. I'm the artist. I wonder if she still listens. Drop us a line, Ami, if you're still listening. Yeah. You know, send us a if DM. Get us, slip into our DMs. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Size 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so please submit your artwork uh, via the, the thread in the Discord channel or you can email it to the Inquisition at gmail.com. We like receiving artwork. Um, cool. What else can you do? Merch store. Christ. Mm. The Amish loot chest. If you want a current grape T-shirt, literally communist hoodie, three weeks to flatten the earth T-shirt. The Amish loot chest. <laughs> Fuck me, I'm fucking drunk. <laughs> Potentially a limited edition bacon nuts sticker slash keyring slash what what else? T shirt. T shirt. Well let's let's check. Let's check the T's and C's and see if we can have a hurry bollocks on the T shirt. Or maybe we should just go for it. I mean we don't get much out of the loot chest. 
So, you know, if it gets taken down tomorrow. Right. Okay. Give me a week to <laughs> withdraw funds. Oh, yeah. From yeah. the loot chest so that it's empty. And it's then... such a big figure that it takes a week for them to count it up. Exactly, yeah. They have to get um, KPGM in. Yes, yeah. You know, PWC. Delot. <laughs> have to get Delot in to uh, check the figures before we're allowed to make a withdrawal yes, from the loot yeah. chest because we sell fucking buckets full oh, of fucking hoodies, don't we? It's, it's like madness. These Russian sanctions. I mean, if they sanction the loot chest, the war in Ukraine would be over. <laughs> I think... <laughs> So let me clear the let me clear the, the account, and then we'll next week maybe we will launch the bacon nuts T-shirt. Oh, what a time to be alive! <laughs> no shit. Okay, um, is that it? Any other ways to become a producer? Do you know any ways, Annabelle? Well, why don't you toss us a fucking coin? Toss a coin to your witcher. That's right, do it for the lads. Lads, lads, No, because we're northern. Oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. <laughs> yep. Go to thearmistinquisition.com. There's a PayPal button there, the donate button, and you can uh, give us a one-off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation, and donations at the level of £50 or above will grant you the status, the cachet, the rank, the social standing of being an executive producer of the Armist Inquisition for that episode. I can only dream of such high status. Absolutely. Only you folks out there can... Save plot land. And keep the shit show going. Right, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Annabelle away now. Not before time. Bye. See you later. See you next week, love. <laughs> Sorry about the uh, stains earlier. God, don't knock her over. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, right. What are we gonna do next? I suppose we should thank the producers. Um, I think we should thank... Uh, we got a, a new a regular sustaining donator this week, Nick. Oh, yes. And I was thinking, um, we need to come up with a way of recognising people who donate for the first time. Okay, yeah. I don't know what form that would take. Probably be jingle-based. Jingle-based, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you don't think it would be nice to... Like, no agenda, you get a de-douched... You get de-douched when you donate for the first time. Oh, you're, you're not a douchebag. You're a douchebag you, if you're not donating. Well, if you're listening, yeah, and just sponging off all the other people oh, who donate, yeah, all the other yeah. producers, yeah, then, yeah, you're a douchebag. And then yeah, if you make your first donation, you get de-douched. And there's an associated jingle. I don't think I don't want to copy that. No. But I think we need to think of a way to uh, recognise people who uh, donate for the first time in some manner. Uh, I agree. So we need to get our thinking caps. Hey, let us know in the Discord if you can think of a way. You know, we only have three small, tiny brains here. Two, two and a half. <laughs> you know. Smooth brains. Smooth, smooth brains. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could fucking ski off mine. So if you can think of another way, um, a way that we can recognise people who donate for the first time, I think that would be beneficial. Yeah, I agree. Let's, we'll think about a, a, a jingle. Okay, right, let's thank them then. Let's thank the producers for episode 229. It's time! It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo. Uh, who've we got? We've got uh, Nick. Nick, the new sustaining donor. We've got Lee from The Big Conspire. Joe from Insta. Helen from Berkshire. Zach. Um, and the anonymous people who bought merch this week. Thank you. You're so amazing in your love. Thank you. <laughs> so... 
amazing in there. Love, literally. The best mate. The dwarf. The carrots. The grape. The homophobe. The wind. The asna. The corpse. The limber leather. The blind man. The fallen on the horizon. The cripple and the mother. Money bickering. From hell. Right on. <laughs> Yep, that's for your support for another week. It means the world to us. And um, I was thinking maybe after the thanking the producers, we this might be a good time to move into our headline of the week, our new fledgling segment that we've been that I mentioned last week. Headline of the week. Does that sound like a good idea? I think it's you know a reasonable sound like idea. A bad idea. <laughs> the full spectrum there <laughs> I don't have a jingle I'm going to have to come up with a jingle for this Definitely. then aren't I it's going to be a jingle rich bank holiday Monday for you you know um, your brother Joe's good at coming up with jingle ideas he is and he'll be listening as well so well there you are Joe do something about um, there's a jam song isn't there is it called the, the first the... cut is the deeper oh no that's for the other one <laughs> going underground News, isn't that a news one? Isn't that yeah, called News uh, of the World? News of the World, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was the theme song for some BBC Two panel news show. Read all about it. Mot the, the Week. Mot the Week used it. We can't do that. No, it's going to have to be something cleverer than that. We're not the BBC. Like We have talent. We can think of something cleverer, surely. Yeah. Not right now, obviously. <laughs> What about the news round theme from the BBC? Oh no, shit! <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's hit some uh, some headlines. Um, I've got three actually this week. It's been a rich theme. CTV news: traffic noise linked to higher risk of heart attack. Study says. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, well, just science. Study says mm-hmm. it does. So, <laughs> what have we got? Number two. Oh. Well, where are these from? Are we going to talk about where they're from? Or, or no. What, what's it from? It's from CTV News. Okay. Canadian. I would say so, yeah. I think I saw something about Ottawa. Right. GB News. University midwife students taught to care for men giving birth through their penis. <laughs> I mean, I think if I was giving birth through my penis, I'd probably need quite a bit of care. Yeah, sounds I'm, like a painful uh, process. Mm. This is, is Edinburgh, that, is it, Edinburgh University, by the way. Is that like a like a a transgender thing? <laughs> well, you'd hope so. Otherwise, how can a man give birth? Cesarean. Wasn't wasn't there? Certainly not through their penis. <laughs> no. I mean, we, I, I could, like, get the stories for all these, but it would just take too long. And why would we waste our time? Because it's it's obviously... Oh, no, it's not The Onion. This is actual real news. Oh. University midwife students taught to care for men who give... Men giving birth through their penis. Well, men, men can't give birth. This is a Can bit they? like that. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, no... Let's move on. 
Prince Charles bats methane-reducing gimp masks for cows in climate competition. Yeah. This I is mean, from Marie, Marie Claire magazine. Isn't that on the wrong end of the cow? If he's a gimp mask. Was, no. No. Shall, we, uh, shall I illuminate you? Are we diving into that one? Yeah, because it's a good one. It still says uh, Ryan 7, by the way. Oh, oh shall I change it now? I yeah, why not live? This is the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the it's live TV. This there is we a, go. Wow. That was slick, wasn't it? Massive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is the uh, Prince Charles uh, cow ma- face masks. This week, Senior Royal Prince Charles met with a group of inventors who have been working on new and alternative ways to cut carbon emissions in the UK. He was attending the Royal College of Arts' new Terracotta Design Lab in South London on behalf of the Royal Family to congratulate competition winners. One of the ways designers hope to cut the UK's carbon footprint, which is essential if we hope to fulfil our promise of reaching net zero by 2050, as per the Paris Agreement, is via a mask, which has been compared to a gimp mask for cows. And the royal has said that he gives the mask his backing, saying that by embracing the designer's ingenuity, we shall have a better chance of winning this battle in a shorter time. I've got a, I've actually got a picture of him there talking to the, the guys. Oh no, there's the the cow mask. That's a different right. headline. And it. Uh, <laughs> There he is. Uh, Power. Crom. Uh, yeah, forcefully gesticulating. It doesn't look like it does. What does it do? Well, the prince questioned whether the cows mind wearing the masks, but researchers maintain that it doesn't bother them at all. Charles said, I can't tell you how proud I am to be associated with the Royal College of Art, particularly as a result of seeing the remarkable ideas presented by many of the alumni and existing students. May I say that it is critical because of the urgency we face in terms of the crisis confronting us in all directions and just how important is what their ideas represent in terms of finding solutions rapidly. I think there was... Oh, no, there's more. (laughs) I, I can only hope as a result of this and drawing a bit more attention to what you are doing, that we will have a better chance of winning this battle in a shorter time. I can only wish you every possible success. Many congratulations. Marvellous. I have to say, on the palette, there are notes of... Lloyd Grossman and Alan Rickman <laughs> within there. <laughs> Alan Rickman, you say? Uh, make of that what you will. <laughs> I. <laughs> I. <laughs> Who would live in a cow like. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no, what's Alan Rickman? What's he? <laughs> oh, Loxley. <laughs> I can't tell you how proud I am to be associated. I don't know. I'm just uh, being a bit of a dick tonight. I'm pissed. It's good. I can't good. say, I can't picture, I can't uh, hear Lloyd Grossman's voice in my head to try and imitate it. It's, uh, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's extreme. It is. He had an extreme voice. Is he still with us? Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of uh, voices and languages and... I'm the son of the Pope. And uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Welsh. Welsh is a fucking weird language, isn't it? Borada. Have you ever... Word for it? Mm-hmm. Sorry? Hmm? It's a complex tongue. <laughs> Do you know... Um, these machines that you have in your house, these Alexa machines and Google, ask Google things. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of fun going around the internet with people asking Alexa, particularly when it comes to Welsh. Alexa, say coffee bean 100 in Welsh. Coffee bean 100 in Welsh is far coffee cunt. Far coffee cunt. <laughs> this is the second one because we had this one last year as well. Hey Google, how do you say in Dutch, pick my most beautiful side? Uh, He's my moist cunt. <laughs> He's my moist cunt. He's hmm. my moist cunt. <laughs> ah, lovely. Language is great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, shall we move on to some topical stuff? It's been a great week for the Conservative Party. Oh, yes. Crisis in Plotland. Um, where should we start? Should we start with the uh, the porno guy? I can't remember what happened first this week. There's so so much. Well, I've got three three um, examples of, of uh, Conservative Party being under fire, and and this has been the big story of the week. So, for those of you, the eight percent of you who are outside the UK, the Conservative Party, who is currently in power in the UK, is sort of the equivalent to the Republicans in the United States. And uh, one of the Conservative Party cabinet members was caught watching pornography in the House of Commons. Ah, yes. On his mobile device. Who caught um, him? Some, some lady MPs. Mm. I've got the report here. Just 24 hours ago, Neil Parrish was insisting he would stay on as an MP, despite being named as the man who watched pornography in the Commons. But now a U-turn, a resignation and a shocking admission. The uh, situation was that, that um, I, uh, funnily enough, it was... I mean, he sounds like a wrong'un already, doesn't he? Mm. What does he sound like? ...tractors that I was looking at, and um, so I did get into another website. Um... Sorry, I'm going to have to replay that because I stepped all over one of the, uh, the key messages. Just 24 hours ago, Neil Parrish was insisting he would stay on as an MP, despite being named as the man who watched pornography in the Commons. But now a U-turn, a resignation and a shocking admission. The uh, situation was that, that um, I, uh, funnily enough, it was tractors that I was looking at. Ah. Excuse me? Here's a man who can't tell a tractor I mean... from pornography. <laughs> Why was he looking at tractors in the House of Commons? Because he's the Minister for Agriculture and Tractors, I think. He's a farmer by trade. That's his day job. Because, you know, it's, what what is an MP? Is it 78 grand a year? Exactly. That's not enough it's to live on, is it? You have to have... 
You have to have your main job, and then you get the seventy-eight grand for being an MP. And Is it farmers? Oh, plus your expenses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like uh, going to the Bond premiere. We might yeah, come yeah. to that in a minute. And um, so I did get into another website um, that had a sort of very similar name. What? I've been racking my brains. What porn website sounds as a similar name to a tract website? So uh, like Massey Ferguson. <laughs> John Massive. Deere. Um, Massive Ferg- uh-huh. Furry Ones. <laughs> um, John Deere <laughs> paid me. <laughs> Um, What's the website where um, it's like a webcam website? OnlyFans? OnlyFans, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if there's like an only... only like how you pretended you didn't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should only start f- one. I know, yeah, an OnlyFans, yeah. Yeah, why not? Double our <laughs> listenership. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I watched it for a bit, which I shouldn't have done. But my my crime, my biggest crime, um, is that on another occasion I went in a second time. And that was deliberately? And that was deliberate. Um, and was that in the select committee or in the commons chamber? That was uh, sitting, waiting, waiting to vote. Yeah, so it was, it was just in the lobby. Because it's boring, you know. Yeah. Just sat around waiting to vote. You know, take part in this, this what's it called? democracy in it division yeah oh. um, yeah so you get bored you're sitting around just waiting to vote just vote whatever the, the whip tells you to vote so you got to look at porn what else are you can do look at tractors i guess speaking in the commons last week neil Parrish today blamed a moment of madness and said he wasn't trying to intimidate women through his actions but after the accusations of what happened in here were first made on tuesday there was unhappiness in the party that mr Parrish stayed silent Senior Tory MPs say it shouldn't have taken three days for the culprit to be identified and suspended. Yeah, so it got dragged out, didn't it, over several days. There was all this speculation. Which cabinet... We knew it was a cabinet member, and we assumed it was a male. So that rules out pretty the barbarian, Home Secretary. (laughs) So there was all this speculation brewing, and uh, I don't think anyone had Neil Parrish. No, no. No one's ever heard of him. It's become, it's like he's got his 15 minutes of fame now. Yeah. yeah. So it's that. Why, why do you think he owned up to the second one? Do you think he was caught then as well? Yeah, I think he's yeah. been caught yeah. multiple times. Yeah. yeah. So why didn't the person who caught him speak up the first time? That'll be the next question, won't it? Maybe it was the same day. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. So, I mean, maybe he was just was, trying to find... He was looking up tractors. But then a and second time, he... Yeah, he went back because, you know... So alluring. Is there, like, some kind of niche porn involving, like... Or, like, a euphemism that's, like, called yeah, tractor pulling or something? Man. Everything, everything's got a porno. Tractor pulling, that's a phrase I've heard before. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it means. <laughs> Yeah, so something like that, maybe. There's yeah. like a bit of kink. Yeah, it's a bit like wolf bagging. Yeah, wait. it's always a little piece of... <laughs> what is a little piece of what? Yeah. A little piece of my soul? Yeah, yeah. removed with every new <laughs> new learning. 
Well, uh, the news report uh, did some Vox Pops, and I had to pull this one because it's glorious, and I love a good Vox Pop. I'm just horrified, really, that someone would do such an inappropriate, kind of bizarre thing in such a reputable institution as the House of Commons. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. What the farage? <laughs> the place that's had 50 fines so mm. far for breaking the, the most reputable place. Now, imagine the shit that went on in like the, the early days as well. I'm mm. sure mad, mad shit's happened in that, you know... There yeah, was, was uh, the, uh, mm? I was just thinking about there was that there was a TV program, wasn't there, made about that uh, Lib Dem MP? It was Hugh Grant, wasn't he? And he was having an affair with a man. It was like, what? you know, I think is this fiction? <laughs> no, it actually happened, but it was made into a TV program. So Hugh Grant uh, was having an affair with a Liberal Democrat MP. No, Hugh Grant was playing a Liberal. Oh, right, so it's fiction. Yeah. No, like a, it actually oh. happened. But Hugh Grant's not an MP. No, but he was—he was playing the, the MP. In oh, the, so he's pretending of the true story, right? Yeah. So it's like a dramatization of things that may, might have happened. No, he definitely did. He went <laughs> it was to in court, the news, wasn't it? Right, I can't remember it. Was but they—they they had to bring. So it wasn't like a documentary because they had to bring yeah. actors in. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. No, I missed that. I bet, I, bet loads of stuff go, <laughs> I bet loads of stuff goes on all the time in the House Commons. Well, there was um, there was calls to remove the bar from the House of Parliament. and has uh, been removed yet, has it? Well, uh, Kwasi Kwarteng, who's the Cabinet Minister, I don't know, is he maybe Business Secretary, something like that? He came out today and said, whoa, let's not, let's not rush any decisions <laughs> about removing the bar. Is it free? I think it is. I think it's either free or heavily, heavily um, subsidised by taxpayers. But there was yeah. a story about how much they'd spent on the wine cellar, wasn't it? It was thirty million quid or something stupid. Hey, it's an investment, though, Phil. Don't well, yeah. Me. I mean, it's, it's pittance. Yeah. We, I mean, we, how much have we spent? Four hundred million. Four hundred billion on uh, on COVID. Yeah. So thirty million is is is, is a, a rounding error. But, I mean, it's more tax than us three and our entire families will ever pay in their entire lives. Yeah, yeah. But, you yeah. know, it's just, you know, it's wine. You can't, it's wine. wine. You can't whine about wine. you got to have decent wine. Absolutely. How can they operate if they don't have a decent wine cellar? Exactly, yeah. No, they're not, we're not savages. Can anyone's ever been bent over the dispatch box? <laughs> yeah. I reckon definitely. That's, that's like the, that would be the ultimate... You're going to name? Name some names? No, I mean, I mean, in all history. So, probably before the cameras were put in. Oh, I was going to say Edwina Curry straight off the bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, in our lifetimes, I'm sure she was shagged over the dispatch box. Wow, I mean that that would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? For allegedly, who was she having an affair with? Allegedly, Major. John Major. John Major was it? More peas, please. I thought it was. <laughs> The grey man. The greyest man, yeah. Mm. The most conservative conservative. <laughs> okay, we've only done one story on the conservative <laughs> party, so we're going to have to move on. Let's move on. Oh, I love this. This is probably my favourite clip of the week. This is uh, Culture Secretary Nadine <laughs> Doris. Mm. You know Nadine Doris? She went in the jungle, and I'm a celebrity yeah, a few she years did. ago. Yeah, she did. And, well, um, she's in the cabinet. 
She's a cabinet minister. She's the minister yeah. for culture, media, and sport. And boy, does she fucking know her onions. <laughs> no, what's the word when you have a ministerial uh, brief? Brief. Yeah. Hi, Nadine. So, what's your job and what's your department? What do you do? So, I'm Secretary of State, the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport, which means that we're responsible for making sure you have super fast broadband in your home. That means you can downstream your movies. Downstream. Downstream your movies. We're responsible for making sure the internet's a safe place for you to go to. We want to make the internet the safe in the UK, the safest internet in the world. I don't think that's anything to be proud of, but. Whatever, whatever. We're responsible for everything to do with sport, for making sure you've got football pitches and that you have tennis pitches in your communities where you can play and exercise your sports. I've heard about this. Apparently, you know, with the like the 5G, uh, the new 5G phones. <laughs> Apparently, you can actually like downstream a film in the middle of a tennis pitch. Can you downstream <laughs> you a tennis picture? I'm sure you can. Excellent. I You're thought a football she said pitcher. tennis pictures. Uh, yeah. Tennis pitches. <laughs> yeah. You know, your football pitches and your, and your tennis pitches. Making sure. Yeah, this is why we need super fast broadband so you can downstream your films in the middle of the tennis pitch. Mid-match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. not make sense? I'm, no. I think she's well on top of a brief. She's got my vote. I can just see a fucking special advisor behind her going, Will you stop talking? Will you stop talking? <laughs> Shut up with your verbal diarrhea. Oh you don't know what you're talking God. about. But, you know. Filling silence. Yeah. Oh, dear, Nadine. Right, what's next? Pretty Patel. Oh. Pretty the Barbarian. Home Secretary. Yes. She's been in trouble with this Ru- Rwanda policy on immigration. Oh, yeah. What, was that ship everyone to Rwanda? Pretty much. No, not everyone. <laughs> I don't know. I know nothing about it. Right. Okay. I've not looked into it at all. I don't know. I think, Do you I know think about it's... it, Matt? Yeah, so what's allegedly going to happen is that people are going to get picked up from the channel or wherever by the Royal Navy, and then they're going to be processed, I think, somewhere in Yorkshire, maybe. Um, oh, yes. Somewhere around there. It's in a, an RAF base in Yorkshire, I yeah, think. Yeah, a little village, isn't it? Um, anyway, and then they're, um, from there, they're going to be sorted, and the ones who are, are going to be sort of um, sent to Rwanda are going to get sent to Rwanda. I don't know what the how they're going to differentiate who gets sent to Rwanda. Um, But anyway, it's a one-way ticket and it's set up this scheme with the Rwandan government because of the genocide that happened there. There's no no young men, basically. So, um, and allegedly they're going to help people sort of like make a life and get jobs and stuff there. Well, I mean... All the, the the whole thing they were saying um, in the uh, campaign before the last general election was we're going to have an Australian-based mm. points-based system, and that's exactly what the Australians do. They don't mm. let them on the show. They, they process them in, like the Solomon Islands or somewhere. somewhere. Yes, yeah, it is. Because it, it, it means like it, you remove the incentive. That's the thing. So, yeah, the idea is, yeah. 
It's like that Jonah I worked with who said, just fucking start torpedoing him. <laughs> sink him. Start sinking him. They'll soon get the message. Obviously, you know, we, we don't condone that, but... I mean, I can see I can see the thinking is that if you are a soft touch, then you're more attractive to come to, aren't you? Yeah. Why Why stop at Germany or France or the Netherlands, whatever? If, 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 you, if you get a better deal here, why not make that last... 13-mile jaunt across the channel. I don't know. I don't know. It's quite interesting. I don't know what the differences are between sort of like claiming asylum in the UK and, you know, with comparison to sort of EU countries. It's not asylum, though, is it? Is it not just economic migration? Well, you would assume that most people who are coming... If it was for economic reasons, would try and claim asylum, wouldn't they? Oh, and then do you not think rather than just trying to work illegally? Is that what you're kind of saying? No, I think I think most of the immigration is economic. Yeah, but that's a well. There's two different types, I suppose, isn't there? Yeah, you have economic well, migration and asylum, where you're being persecuted. And, you know, you're supposed to be granted asylum by the first country you arrive in. Mm-hmm. So if you were to move to Scotland to get free university education, that is a form of economic migration. Very short form, right? Yeah, I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the thing is, Scotland is part of the United Kingdom. Yeah, I know. You're like moving yeah, to, it'd be more like, if you want to go to... Because Holland, I think Holland has free... Right. University. So, so say you wanted to move to Holland to get a free university yeah. place for your daughter, and this happens. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure this yeah. happens. So, that, yeah, that's economic migration. It's going to cost me fifty grand or whatever to do a degree over here. Maybe I'll just move to Holland and do one there. Yeah. But you know, the Dutch taxpayer would say, "Well, hang on, uh, well, you're coming here highly. to take our tax money to pay for your free education. What are you going to do then? You're going to go, go back, back home? home? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know." Just speaking to it quiet here. This is why I was against open borders in the EU to begin with. People, you know, because, you know, we're not, these guys aren't accountable to us. The Dutch government is accountable to us. We only have these fucking turds in Westminster <laughs> who are accountable to us. So, you know, <sighs> ideally, power would be held at the end of your arm where you can wring the neck when they get it wrong. You know, the more disconnected you are from the people who hold the power the the smaller your voice is and the more insignificant you are and the less control you have over the future and your children's future anyway did we do we didn't even finish pretty pretty patel i mean that's not the, the scandal this week she was investigated under one of these subcommittees because they have to be very careful about what they declare in parliamentary expenses and stuff. Uh, yeah. And there was a controversy over a certain invite to the premiere of a Bond film. Um, Priti Patel went to the Bond premiere on the 28th of September 2021 as a guest of the Jamaica Tourist Board. Um, she declared that only, not to the, through the House, but uh, through her department. Why is that in her ministerial capacity? Well, that would be a matter for her register, but I, I think, I, mean, I don't know the influence that, that uh, in, in terms of her constituency. He's been talking for a minute, he's not said anything yet, which is quite a I skill. 
Just it is. thinking. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know if there's a huge Jamaican population yeah, or, or not. Why ministerial capacity? Well, I think it's fairly obvious that she was invited then as the Home Secretary, not as... Why is the, the Home Secretary being invited for, for, you know, for whatever it is, £2,000 tickets? You don't declare... If- Let's wait for the white knight to come in, piping in from the background. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. An amount when it's done through the ministerial capacity. In essence, a minister gets to decide, don't they, where to register it? Yes. It's entirely well, so, up to them. So, so it's entirely right that she would, I, I suspect, and I, I would suggest she was invited as the Home Secretary. But why? Overall, what's, 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 what's a Bond Premier got to do with her role as Home Secretary? Well, the nature of the film is, is it's one could argue, is connected to, 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 to executive functions. What? <laughs> well, I think, I think <laughs> it's a matter for her, though, Mr Bright. Well, the nature of the film is, is somewhat connected to executive function, being the Home Secretary. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to just... Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Trying to justify why she got £2,000 free tickets to the Bond premiere, paid for by the Jamaican, the Jamaican government. Because mm. the Jamaican government's got plenty of money to splash around for Home Secretaries, it seems. Uh, yeah. Something to do with um, the Windrush stuff, maybe. Well, yeah. If we, I mean, if we're going to drill down this like another layer, mm. look at the historical ties between Jamaica or the Caribbean more widely and the UK. Mm. They go about four hundred years, right? So we have the Jamaican independent government paying for complementaries and hospitality for the Home Secretary of the UK. Mm. And this is, you know, this is completely, <laughs> it's completely innocent. There's nothing going on there. It's no, there's no favouritism. There's nothing being exploited there in our system. Mm. <sighs> no, no comment. It's all corrupt. They're all corrupt. It's not just the Conservative parties, it's the Jamaican government. doesn't matter what team you're on, whether it's red or blue, they're all the fucking same. That's why they're in the position. It's why they want the job in the first place. No? Rich yes. Virgin Isles. Yeah. Well, it's like, I'm talking... I'm not getting anything back off you. It's like I'm talking to Wall. What's happening? <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for Ben to say something. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be waiting a while. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> me. Just shoot the... Juice to me, Bruce. Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, man. Will you stop talking? Okay, okay. I'll stop, I'll stop, I'll stop ranting. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a good look. Right, let's move on. Israel, airport chaos as family brings unexploded shell to the airport. I'm on a hot streak this week. Family Ellie. These are all my stories. Nice. All right, do you want a producer credit or something? (laughs) A US family caused a bomb scare at Israel's main international airport after presenting an unexploded artillery shell at a security check. Okay. They had picked up the ordinance on a visit to Israel. Sorry, and on a visit to the Israeli-occupied Golan Heights. 
site of wars between Israel and Syria, according to authorities. Video footage on social media showed people running from the scene in panic. The family was allowed to board their flight after being interrogated by security, who gave the all clear. Israel captured most of the Golan Heights from Syria during the Six-Day War in 1967, and remnants of the conflict can still be found in the area. Israel's Ynet news site said in, said in the incident on Thursday, uh, a member of the family produ produced the shell from their backpack and asked a security official if it could be put in a suitcase. <laughs> the shell. The shell. <laughs> The official, oh my God, this is great. The official ordered her immediate vicinity to be cleared, but another passenger who misheard her started shouting, Terrorists! Terrorists shooting! <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Terrorists shooting! Triggering a mass panic. <laughs> Christ. People have got videos of it. There's people scattering, screaming, women screaming, people hiding, hiding under airport chairs because of this, this not, not numpty behind them. A video posted on social media by Israel's Cannes public broadcaster showed dozens of people shouting and fleeing the check-in area with others, with others crouching or lying on the floor in confusion. Great guy. What what would present? Why would you try and bring a shell home? I don't well, know. this is the thing they don't explain why they brought it. So I'm just to more to it as to the person and why they would have picked up an exploded shell. I'm sure I've brought a few shells home in my luggage from you know beaches I've visited in the past. Do you remember going to Eden Camp in Yorkshire, which was like a World oh, War Two, yeah, like a nuclear bunker? Yeah, and it was done up like they had. Um, like the, it was all laid out like a camp. They had different, um, different huts. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you, I could, that now. you could buy um, necklaces with like a blood. Mm -hmm. Yes. I had yeah. them. And um, uh, aircraft. Aircraft. Um, not <laughs> artillery is the wrong word. Like a chain of bullets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. like, like you're putting a minigun. Shells, like 20 mil. Well, they were like maybe that long, maybe five inches long. Right. And I had about six of them in a... Configuration. Yes. A, a strap. Yeah. 16 in the clip and one in the hole. Nate Dog is about to make some bodies turn cold. Murdered that. <laughs> All of those of us <laughs> Fittingly. <laughs> oh my God. Will you stop talking? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what time are we on? Oh, it's late. It's late. No, it's Three legged late. dog battling cancer saves a baby otter from a river on Easter. I mean, that's the sort of shit I can What else do you want? Dig. Tonight, a Lakeland, Minnesota dog is being hailed a hero. A golden doodle named Gus rescued a tiny baby otter in the St. Croix River. The Wildlife Rehabilitation Center in Roseville treated the pup and says he's doing much better. As our Kirsten Mitchell reports, Gus has also gone through his fair share of hardships, making this rescue extra special. He's a very friendly 
happy golden doodle. Despite the wags and kisses, it's been a tough few years for six-year-old Gus. Yeah. Owner Cleo Young says he had a tumor removed, and during a routine follow-up earlier this year, staff at the University of Minnesota found another, leading them to amputate his back leg. We thought, oh, this is going to be so sad, he's, he's not going to be able to run like he used to, but it hasn't slowed him down at all. That was clear Easter Sunday when he jumped into the frigid St. Croix River. It's right here. Grandkids Ella and Lucy watched him from the shore. He was going after something. It was clear, but we didn't know at first. <laughs> he came to shore and he had something in his mouth and it turned out to be a very tiny otter. Covered in sand, they washed him in the sink and rushed to the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center in Roseville. Did you hear it squeak? Then? It that was mm -hmm. the baby otter. Like Tiny, it. like the size of your fist. <laughs> kind of a harrowing trip because it was closing at 6 o'clock and we, we didn't know if we were going to make it. The team at WRC went right to work, nursing the cold pup back to health. They say if Gus hadn't rescued him, he likely wouldn't have survived. He was really gentle and I think he... He knew it needed help, and so he brought it right to us right away. Gus has three more chemotherapy sessions to go, but his battle for his life hasn't stopped him from saving another. What a hero. What Gus, a hero. Gus the golden doodle. Did he save a, a water-dwelling mammal from some water? Well, apparently the, the pup was so young... Um, I cut the report short for, for time, but the um, the people at the rescue centre said this pup was far too young to have been in the water. It should have oh, been in the den right. oh, with okay. its mother, and somehow it must have got loose. Oh. And then Gus heard that, <coughs> and went out and rescued uh, the pup. Go, the pup go, otter. go. <laughs> That'd be similar to what a puppy would do, a similar size, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, yeah puppy, man. Do you not think they look got, very. Very similar size, like that fits mm. in the palm of your hand. So maybe that mm. was, maybe Gus has some mothering instincts. Maybe. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so best of luck with the rest of your chemo, Gus. Yeah, Gus. Yeah. Let yeah. us know how it gets on. You can come on. Not all heroes wear capes. Or no. have four legs. Even number of legs, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, train delayed by a passenger who fell asleep and got head stuck in armrest. <laughs> Happens to us all. <laughs> a commuter delayed frustrated train passengers when he fell asleep across two seats and trapped his head in the armrest. The bizarre incident was filmed on the Roca line in the eastern Argentine province of Buenos Aires on Monday. Oh. The computer, the computer, <laughs> the commuter who has not been named in local media was unable to wrench his head free after drinking, <laughs> after drifting off during his commute. Images show his head sticking out into the aisle while other bemused travellers look on. The train was reportedly delayed 20 minutes while the trapped passenger was rescued. There he is. To be honest, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> I think we're going back to Ryan with the, the you know, the collar on the neck. You know, it's yeah. a loose fitting chain that you just need the will to get out of it. To be honest, his, his ear is clearing that by at least two inches. Yeah. Yeah. So what I mean, what's going on there? Is he just being a pussy? I don't know. It's like an elaborate calling into work sick, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, sorry, sorry Dave, it's happened again. I mean, yeah. 10 out of 10 for 
creativity in that case. Of all the excuses mm. to get out of work, I've got my head stuck in the armrest. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm five minutes away. I'm five minutes away, but I've just got my head stuck in the armrest of the <laughs> the train seat. I mean, would that not make it? Would that not be a sackable offence just for idiocracy? Uh, I, no, probably promotion. Promotion material. <laughs> yeah, mm. absolutely. You're thinking outside the box. You oh, like yeah. you blue sky and like you, you <laughs> took a sleep on the train. You got, yeah, you got your head stuck and you could have got it out. But yeah, I like it. I like what you got. Yeah, I like what you made up. Yeah. Is that how it works yeah. in the corporate world? I don't know. I'm disconnected. Promote yourself. Get your head stuck in something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Shall we, uh, shall we finish on some, on, on some Biden? Salute! Yes. Kal-El. The, oh, um, Kal-El. I've not seen you for a while. The alien. Mm. Well... Going in. You're a bit late, Kalo. Like it's, yeah. it's half past eleven. What are you doing up at this time? Oh, it's late, isn't it? What time is it in? In, Shit, in, in Krypton. It? <laughs> Krypton, yeah. The Palace of Solitude. Pop culture failed. <laughs> what do you? Um, are, are are you hearing anything about this Lord of the Rings reboot? I'm hearing it's existing. Reboot. Or do you mean the TV oh, program? Oh, no, TV program. It's set a thousand years before, isn't it? It's the mm. war of the... No, uh, I've seen a trailer for it as well, actually. Thinking thinking back. Yes. Nothing. I've not heard anything recently, no. No. You, you, you bring this up periodically, Phil. Is it something that intrigues you? I'm interested in, in what's going to happen with it. Why? Well, they seem to be... Um, Taking what little source material they have and then transplanting um, 21st century uh, attitudes and opinions on it, similar to Picard. (laughs) Okay. Picard has 23rd century attitudes and opinions, though. Didn't they um, shoot the last series in, like, L.A. in 2030? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see the last series. Oh. Sorry. I didn't. This one's not set in 2030, though, is it? The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. No, no, exactly, yeah. And it's a completely fictitious, fancy world, but I believe that they are going to be injecting their message into the show. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, 21st yes. century... Be excellent mm. to each other. <laughs> yeah, maybe... I mean, there's going to be a time-travelling phone box. <laughs> there better be. <laughs> it's like, um, I think they had to take... Did they delete... I think Amazon deleted 60,000 comments off the trailer. And um, it was ratioed... I think it was um, 80,000 thumbs up to 1.5 million thumbs down on YouTube. Right, I don't know. But no one's not heard about this. Because no. I, I think mean, they've spent the trailer. It's yeah, pretty it was, innocuous yeah, in my mind. I don't remember there being any kind of um, culture war type stuff in it. Right. I, I think they remember anything. I think they spent a billion pounds on it. On the whole thing, the I thing, think. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's going to be a gigantic flop. 
Yeah, they've not. I mean, there was another thing, wasn't there, called The Wheel of Time, and that was... Oh, yeah. I watched it all, yes. but it was... But that was pretty bad. So apparently the books of The Wheel of Time were really good. Like some of the yeah. best sort of modern fantasy fiction you can get. And then I, Amazon got a hold of it, took a massive steaming turd in the middle of it. I believe it was a lot more sexy than the novels. And uh, it's written, I might be wrong, but I think it was written by a man. Okay. So, is that a bad thing? Was, God damn. I think, well, I think it was more booby. There's more boobs in it and stuff. Well, Kal-El on YouTube saying HBO Max have the same troubles. I don't know. HBO have a track record in producing their own content. With boobs. With boobs and yeah. subscription model. They've been doing it for well over a decade now. And Netflix don't have that pedigree. And they seem to be shit. And same with Amazon. They seem to be... They just don't know how to make a good TV series. So... Uh, <laughs> who's clamouring? There's no one... Apart from you. Yeah, me and no uh, one, probably, I imagine. You know, it's not stranger... I said it last week. It's not stranger things. It's not, it doesn't have mass appeal. I mean, it, the reason you like it is because it's intelligent. Yeah. That's it. I mean, Fuck. It has it has good writing. That's it. I mean, fuck me. We should be aiming for higher than this. Let's just have a show that has good writing. What about Better Call Saul? That has excellent writing on it. But then we have a, I do like we have a complete song. dearth of that sort of stuff, don't we? What was Mister Robot on way back when? That must have been Netflix. I don't think there was anything else at the time. No, it was on the Prime. No. It was in a, It was like on Showtime or something oh, like that, maybe. Oh, in the before times. Mm. It was on Prime here in the UK, sorry. Fucking vegan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. And we've come back round to talking about streaming platforms again. At the same time in the podcast. Yeah, uh... Time stamped. I'm, yeah, I'm going to nail my colours to the mast. I think Netflix is dead. That's a lot of subscribers. Netflix is gone. It's not... A, subscribers come and go. I mean, what's the quality of your product? They, they don't know... You say, oh, well, they've got Ozark. Ozark, it's not going to make people pay 15 quid a month, man. No. It's not. People are going to say, fuck that. I think if they start... Mm. If they start saying you can't share your password, I think I'll, I'll probably have to go... All right, so would you not pay for it? I wouldn't pay £15 a month for it. Well, there you are. So you're already an ex-customer. Yeah, have been since you know. day one, really. Yeah, I'm the same. It's not worth the money, is it? And they're going to come unstuck. People are like the, the studios are re, re, have finally realised after 15 years, hang on, we spend all this money on writers, product development, developing this pro, this show... And then Netflix come along and they stream it and charge people to watch it just mm. by doing a licensing deal. Well, no, fuck you. We'll start our own streaming platform and we'll call it Disney or Paramount or HBO. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why, 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 why are you making money off our product that we made? Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be down to what can Netflix produce off their own back? And the evidence so far is it sucks. So it's dead. I'll give it three years. <laughs> All right. 
Right. Right. What Should... episode's that? Three years' time. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <coughs> 379? 381? 381? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Unless we reboot. <gasps> Shh! <laughs> we'll have a special. <laughs> okay. Shall we finish on some, some Bulge Island? Oh, yeah. Sorry. He's, uh, he's had one of them weeks this week, I would say. More lives this year than any other year for the past 100 years. Just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. It's not even the stupidest, but it's just no. the fact that I, um, he doesn't even try and correct it. Anyway, it um, sense. Because <laughs> it is believable that it's been in the Senate for 120 years. Bradley. Maybe it was a very clever joke. No, I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> He's a husk of a human. I can't do that. <laughs> There's nothing going on there. You give him far too much credit. For a while, probably for all the time. I, I, no, maybe not the early years, but for a long time, American presidents have, have been a rich seam of sound bites and cock ups. And do you remember, like, George W. Bush was, was the one I remember most. Yeah. The, the Bushisms. Yeah, it's good. Mm. Uh, long may it continue. Fool me once. You won't, you won't, <laughs> you won't fool <laughs> You won't fool me again. There's books. They brought books out with him. And they'll, they'll do the same for Trump and Biden and... and uh, who's before Donald Trump? Oh, uh, Obama. I don't know if he had any. Probably did. Probably had loads. No, he was a slick operator, Obama. Very articulate. Smooth. Yep. So him in Chicago once, true story. For another time. Was he uh, with Marilyn Manson and Dita Von Tees? No, he was, he was in a car. <laughs> That's all. Great to fame. So, um, Bill Jordan, Joe Biden... Um, he mistakenly refers to NHL Commissioner, that's uh, National Hockey League. Oh, yes. Thank you. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman as Gary Batman. <laughs> I want to thank Commissioner Gary Batman and for being here as well. And the best thing is, is, is like the whole hockey team's lined up behind him and you see the guy above his left shoulder just go, <laughs> I just not know where to look. It's brilliant. It's glorious. I want to thank Commissioner Gary Batman and for being here as well. No, 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 no. I want to thank Commissioner Gary Batman and for being here as well. Well, I like to think Gary is Batman's first day. What are you going to say, Matt? I think he was primed there because he said commissioner. <laughs> Word association, yeah. That's mm. it. <laughs> Being primed, yeah. Kalal saying, remember when Bush Jr. was interviewed about invading Afghanistan? Yeah. And then told the reporter to watch his golf swing. Yeah. Now yeah. watch this drive. Now watch this drive. <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, next... He's talking about um, industries being immune from prosecution, but he, he seems General. to have, yeah, yeah, different. Well, the pharmaceutical industry famously is often uh, has clauses signed to make them immune from from prosecution, but he seems to have something else on his mind. They're the only outfit in the country 
that is immune. Imagine had the tobacco industry been immune to prostitute being sued. Come on. Whoa. We're the only outfit in the country that is immune. Imagine had the tobacco industry been immune to prostitute being sued. Come on. Good save. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> and Corn Pop was a bad dude. It also holds polluters, I'll call polluters accountable for the most ambitious environmental justice agenda ever. That's the one where his teeth fall out. I love that one. There's so many. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. What is he? He's like suing a prostitute. Is that like a... Hunter Biden, maybe? His son? Is that like a... Like a, a, a euphemism or, a, you know, like a, a, a term that's no. like, no, you, you don't sue a prostitute, do you? <laughs> <laughs> that I, I, just think, I just think it is what it is. Right. Is just, what it is. Well, it <laughs> is what it is because you are who you are. That's why it is. An enfeebled man. <laughs> Unfortunately, isn't he? If it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. <laughs> I'm... It's not... I'm There's just, more I'm cases so and more desks. Deaths. There's <laughs> <laughs> more cases and more desks. Deaths. <laughs> In some ways, it's quite sad, isn't it? Because he's obviously not well. What? You're a lion dog-faced pony soldier. He's just not well, is he? You're a lion dog-faced pony soldier. He's, he's in the prime of his ago. life. Some of these are from years ago. You know, it's, it's so what if he's been in the Senate for 120 years? Just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. Hmm. Uh, All right, on a serious note, because, you know, he's the most powerful man in the world. This guy is running the show. People, people think he's the president. You think that you think this guy has any decision-making capabilities? I hope not. No, you hope not. Well, he's think. the guy who's de- democratically elected. Yeah. Does he not? Does he not show you what a sham it is? It's it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting to an extent. It's make believe. It's just sham, isn't it? The guy so, wow. is is clearly demented. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's, he's the president. He doesn't sound well, does he? No, no. But anything is better than the orange man. <laughs> well, he'll be old, old and enfeebled too. Yeah, it is. It's a bit like um, the transition to the Nerve and Antonine dynasty. It's like they wanted this guy to just stay around for 12 months and then die. Right. And that is like with Nerva. Nerva lived for like 20 years. Or was it Antoninus Pius? I can't remember. But like, you know, oh no, it was Antoninus. It was Antoninus. Yeah. 
They thought this guy was like fifty six. We'll get, we'll give him. The, he can be emperor, and he can, he can just because Aurelius and and Verus were were too young. They were like eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Too young to be emperor. We need some guy who's in his late fifties. Take the job on, good administrator. Just steady the ship for a couple of years until Marcus Aurelius and his mate are, you know, of age. Of age, yeah. And the guy ends up living for twenty five years. <laughs> no, it's a bit like that. It's like when's this guy going? I think that's what they're thinking. Come I think that like the the people running the show. Because obviously this guy's not running the show. The people who are running the show are saying, like, when is this guy going to fucking drop dead or throw in the towel or something? Yeah. But uh, anyway, on a serious note. Do you reckon he's the kind of guy who might get his head stuck in a train armrest? <laughs> <laughs> I know he's had his head open twice. Yes. Yeah. For, uh, what was it? What was it for? Uh, surgery. Yeah, some kind. He's had his... He's had his Lobotomy? I don't know. I forget now. But he's had he's had a, a couple of operations on his brain. Anyway, on the th- on a serious note, he has a serious message here for Putin and his his cadre of oligarchs. He's coming for you. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah, kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracies. (laughs) We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy and club, the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> no, that just makes me sad. That one. That's like a spacey. Yeah. Yeah. That's about facey. Mm. Like he's so like he's had, like had a stroke or something, and he can't articulate his words. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Shouldn't be in the job. It's a young man's job. We've seen these, these photos of whether it's Obama or Tony Blair. They go into the job in 1997 or 2002, whichever it was. And within four years, they've aged two decades. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. It's a fucking young man's game. Who would want the job? I fucking wouldn't want that responsibility, that pressure. No. no. Let's give it to a guy who's 78, who's already fucking losing his marbles. It's a joke. And we should call it out as a joke, because it fucking obviously is. Is it worse than looking at tractor porn, though? I think Phil says yes. What do you say, Matt? About what? Well, you just said, what, what do I say? What do you say? About Biden. No, what do you say? You said, is it, is, it's not as bad as chapter porn. Oh, I said, is it worse than... Is it chapter porn? And Matt said, well, Phil says it is. What do you say? I didn't say Phil's. I said it is. Did I? Nope. No, you said Phil says it is. So uh, that's why I asked you, what do you say? Well, I think the whole... Everything's a farce, isn't it? You know? Everything... Good. There's kind of... Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of theater behind a lot of things that we do in life. And, you know, if one of them was pulled out, 
um, the whole show might kind of collapse, I guess. That's the cards. Theatre's a good word for it, isn't it? A lot of it is, whether it's political theatre or uh, bread and circuses. A lot of it's distraction. From what? I mean, I think it's just, it is, isn't it? It's just so you buy into the system for whatever reason and then you feel like you have a bit of control over it. But yeah, you, you don't f- really. You feel like you have some agency in it. I get to vote yeah. once every four years. I can't vote yeah, this time around, next week. Why is that? Hi. My, my constituency isn't voting this year. Why not? No. Don't I? They're happy. Doesn't say, yeah. I think I'd, uh, some guy who watches porn. Uh, no, he was involved in a in a little scandal a couple of years ago, but I can't remember what it was about. Oh, is it Nigel Evans? It is. All oh, right. Yeah, so safe safe seat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing we have concepts of safe seats. Mm. I mean, now that has changed a bit with the uh, the, red <laughs> the, the red wall. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people wouldn't have seen that coming. That reminds me, Netflix are, I think, making a serial of, of Red Wall, the Red Wall books, which I was well into when I was um, like 11, 12. What are they about? Brian Jacks. They're, they're, it's a bit like Game of Thrones, but with like animals. The, the, the characters are animals, so it's like uh, a mouse warrior or something. Foxes and shit like that. It's like animals are farthing wood with, with danger. I don't know. When were, <laughs> yeah, they, when were they written? I must have been 11, 12, 13 reading them. So oh, that's when they came out. Oh, no. I that's don't know. So when were they written? Yeah, no, they did come out around then because there was new ones being written and the, the series was, was increasing. So ah, it must have been around. I've never know. heard of them. Yeah, Brian Jacks is the. the, the uh, They're yeah, su- suitable for like a 10 year old? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All yeah, right. I'd recommend them. I'll look, I'll look them up. My, my eldest is a big reader, he loves reading every night. Yeah. Pretty much, at bedtime, he'll usually read for the best part of an hour. Yeah, it can be difficult. My daughter's the same, but it's it's challenging to get them to get enough sleep once the <laughs> once they get stuck into a book. There. All oh, right. Yeah, she reads for ages. He's pretty like he he gives himself a set number of pages each night. Right. So it, so it might be like twenty pages. So, I, I'd, fortunately, we don't have that issue. But finding books that they like to read is the uh, the trick. Yeah, I'd recommend that definitely. Still, I'll in print, look them up. So, yeah. Plus, TV show coming, so you know, right. was it high quality content? Sorry, it got a bit personal here at the end. We were, we were supposed to be wrapping up. And we we're talking about books for our kids instead. It's better, I'd say, than the <laughs> American politics. <laughs> You, you are extremely cool, guys. Okay. <laughs> right. Should we sign off then? Yes. Mm. Bank holiday Monday. Enjoy it, those who are. And work harder, those who aren't. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, there are certain sectors which you rely on, which don't, you know, can't observe things called bank holidays. Hello. Like, I know, the fire brigade, for example. Sick oh, what happens if your house's on fire tomorrow? You ring up the fire brigade and say, well, it's bank holiday. Not coming. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Guess I'll just burn down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get some marshmallows out. <laughs> <laughs>
Life right? gives you lemons. <laughs> Should we go then? More next week. Fucking our diary, it looks fucking amazing for the Just, next like six weeks. Yeah. I'm super excited. Try wow. not to s- s- smeg everywhere. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> right, praise Jabalon and all the Elohim. See you next week. Yes, goodbye. Bye. I love you. Epic dub. Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. It is bonkers. And it's just Worcester. I think it's just Leicester. And it's just Worcester. I think it's just Leicester. Won't you take it out of I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. Oh my god, he's wiped his ass. No. No, that is absolutely this whole thing is 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 total rhubarb. I was going to put him in uh, foot, foot, excuse me. Now we know the old adage. Well, the thing is, what you do, you call between the devil and the rock at a half place. Fuck off, you can't.